fine. Hey, can we like not cuss in here? <laughs> At least he knows that the moon doesn't look like a star anymore. Perception is reality, then I'm sucking everybody's dick. Like a stern, loving father. There's always somebody watching. Go to college, be a doctor. All right, welcome back to Vicious Truthers. Uh, it's just me, Trent Walker, today with Amanda Fan. Uh, Amanda, how are you doing? Not so bad, man. Good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah. Uh, how's uh, How's work going? Uh, it's uh, It's interesting. Um, <laughs> actually, got oh, okay. moved to uh, a higher position, so I'm covering down as brigade medic, and oh. um, there's a lot to cover. So <laughs> I'm pretty oh, much really? trying to get things squared away before um, everybody comes back from downrange. So that is a feat in itself. Other than that, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm learning new things. I'm staying humble and just asking questions, and that's all you can do. <laughs> what's what's that position like being a brigade medic? Um, so basically, you have to just make sure everybody's up on their credentials, um, and just kind of like reinforcing, like, hey, make sure we're training and making sure everybody's good because we have to do a certain amount of hours before we can recertify for the national registry. And then we don't have to take a test or anything. We just have to have a certain amount of hours going through each um, subject, essentially, and then um, supply discipline stuff like that and just making sure things are going the way that they need to be. So like a, a essentially platoon sergeants, but just like for the medics across the battalions. So. Hey, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Does that mean no more field time? No. So if the brigade, like the actual brigade goes out, then I'm sure that we would go out too in terms of like HHB in itself. Yeah. We still just, if people need help with range coverage or something like that, then we'd step in and like outsource to other battalions. But most of the time too, like there's so little of us, we just communicate <laughs> with each other. Like, Hey, can we use one of your guys, please? Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, I've been cleaning out the aid station and stuff because we all know like supplies are always expired and stuff. That's like the running For joke, sure. but yeah. this is like, bad expired like expired in 2014 expired so (laughs) like how did this why why do we have this here (laughs) so wow like i get a little crazy sometimes when i start cleaning too so um i'm either a hoarder and i keep everything because i'm gonna use it later or i just clean everything and i wipe it down like if we're not using this today, it is gone. So I am in the <laughs> it is gone mode, and there is just so much. But it's not like you can just throw it away in the dumpster and stuff, which is the answer that a lot of people do. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to like establish something like, hey, guys, by the way, you need to contact these people to get this done. <laughs> so <laughs> when you get looked at for seven, uh, 2024, no, 2025. I believe February. Are you holding an E7 position right now? So that's the thing. ADA does not have an E7 slot. Wow. Right. So like their brigade, this brigade position isn't even a slot. So it's only. (laughs) You're just. Yeah. The responsibility is yours. (laughs) 
Right. It's just like, who is competent? You come here. And it's like, <laughs> fuck it. A dude, like how, how are we supposed to get rated for this? Like, not that like, I care too much about it, you know, but like people that do want to stay in for their 20 and do want to move up and have <laughs> more responsibility. Like, how are they supposed to get credit for this? I mean, as long stuff, as they're writing it in your NCOER, you should be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Cause I was just like, Honestly, dude, I'm still surprised I made it this far. <laughs> it's just baffling. <laughs> I think a, I think a lot of people are, but like yeah. it's it's uh, kind of easy to make e six, you know. Like, if, yeah. but we don't think that, you know. When you're mm-hmm. a private, you're just like, oh, look at him, he's unreachable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he has so much experience. He's been in for so long. <laughs> hey, yeah, and then like two years down the road, you're spitting off information that you had no idea was even existed two years prior. And then they're yeah. like, okay, well, you're going to the board. And you're like, oh, okay, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> what's that noise all about? And then you get there and you get, you know, whatever it is, berated or, you know. Uh, you, you you pass with flying colors, and then and then you go to BLC, and you come back, and you just start spitting off all these things you learned to BLC, and everyone's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> like, shut up, boot. And you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> you know, oh, I'm back to ground zero. <laughs> Yeah. Now, that's one thing I noticed when I was at ALC is just how people, where they're at in their careers. Because the one person that I ended up making friends with there, she's been in for, I think, four and a half, five years. And she was already at, she already picked up six. And then she just needed to eat uh, ALC to solidify, be official, whatever you want to call it. Um, what? And I was like, a word? Because our points are fucking ridiculous <laughs> compared to y'all. And I was just like, okay, like I'm a little like intimidated. What? And she is actually going to, she should be in drill school right now too. So she like contacted Branch and she really took control of her fucking career. That's good. And cool. yeah, I was like, damn, I'm... <laughs> Where'd I fuck up at? Oh, I remember. It's because every single contract I said I was getting out and I didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at you now. But it's all right. <laughs> we talked about, uh, I don't know if you and I talked about this, but I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but there ha- was like an influx when uh, like, in my in my ten years, there was like this weird influx period where all these cats were getting promoted to uh, E six like super early, and we we're like, mm-hmm. "Well, what's happening?" And they were just like, "Well, the." they're in their primary, we can promote them. And it was like this army thing where like it changed. Like if they, they were in their primary, you either had to like, you know, start the process to bar them if they weren't going to be promotable or you had to send them to the board. And it was like, dude, now there's all these cats that like, they don't know how to lead people like effectively. Like they haven't been, you know, in, stress tested enough and now they're right. sixes and so it's just like it, it was kind of annoying because then we had to work with people that were just like they didn't know their belly button from their butthole what they're doing 
And it's not like I'm the, I'm not the smartest person in the world. So don't get me wrong. There are things that like, I didn't know that I had to learn, but at the same time, it was like, they were doing E5 things while we're doing E6 things. And it's like, what, come on, dude, what are you guys doing? Right. We had to like restructure them. I get that because I've seen that. Like Mm -hmm. it's very obvious here in uh, the air defense MOS. And Mm -hmm. um, because I remember getting here and, you know, like when you first get to a new unit, you just kind of, I, I personally, I keep to myself, you know, I feel things out, see like what the climate is, X, Y, and Z and everything. And then I would just see like these E6s just be down up their privates and specialists. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, what? what is this? It's like, oh, well, I remember when he was a specialist or like whatever. And he like made it up the ranks. So I saw him in the last, P, uh, last duty station and stuff. And I was like, I get that. But like, are you, what, what is this? What is this relationship here? So it, for me, it was a little uncomfortable. And then it showed too, when it comes to big tasks, like, oh, Hey, we got to knock out, like you're the NCIC of this range. And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, <laughs> what? Oh, well, I mean, we never had to do this. Like, well, how are you guys qualifying? Who did this for you? And then turns out it was always the fucking Marines that would reclass to air defense that would be range uh, NCOICs wow. and stuff. Or like the 11 Bravos that reclass to air defense because they want something that's a little uh, more cush than, <laughs> than 11 <laughs> Bravo. And then they're like, well, all right. And so they always just get tasked. We're like, oh, he's done it before. Make him do it. And it's like, no, dude, you got to develop these motherfuckers because they don't want to like, they literally don't want to kind of throw people in the fire a little bit and let them learn. Right. We've all been there where we didn't run a range and they're like, you're running a range. (laughs) You're like, Oh, Oh God. (laughs) Next. Oh no. (laughs) What do I do? You know? And then you're like, they're like, here's this 8,000 pound book. Read through it. This is how you run the range. And you're just like, Oh, I've never seen this stuff before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that is annoying too. I will say people have different leadership styles. Moyer had really good leadership style where everybody would come to him no matter what. There, he was the first person everybody went to and he would figure shit out for them and help them out. And, and it was like, he never, he, I don't know. He never, it seemed like he was buddy, buddy. Like he never seemed mm-hmm. like that, but like he was, he was chill with everybody and like right. he would make it known. Like, you know, if someone made him mad, he would, he would like step on them, but, uh, but he would have like parties at his house and the whole platoon would come over and stuff like that. And we would have like a really good time. So like, it was, it was weird to me coming from my previous unit, watching that type of interaction, which I would have seen as like fraternization. But he was like, he, he just led that way. Like he was, and it was really effective. And I was like, man, I don't know how to do that. I really don't. Right. Just kind of building that kind of overall mutual respect across the board. Like that's the shit that I try. I like, I want to strive for and stuff, but like, man, I'm just, I'm tired, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel like you. I, um, 
I appreciate it. And like, um, when soldiers do come to me for things, but I have this issue of not drawing boundaries for myself. Mm. And I think I've gotten better and stuff, but I just have this face that people like to just, they see me. And then at first they're, they're a little intimidated. That's why I've got that from. They get a little intimidated because they see me, my resting face. You know, I have my PC low, so you can't see my eyes. It's just resting like right on top <laughs> of my glasses, you know, just like that short female NCO. Um, yeah. And then I start talking and everything. And then they're like, oh, okay, so she's not, she's pretty chill. Okay. And then next thing I know, like they're telling me about something that happened a couple years ago where uh, their chain of command did this to screw them over and now they're dealing with all these issues and i'm like how do we get here i just said how are you where did you come from i don't uh, what <laughs> but i hate um, interactions like that like yeah it's it really feels like sometimes nobody takes responsibility or accountability for things that they did everything right. has a reaction so when you do something bad and then you you like when when you're like no i didn't do it and then you kind of crap on your chain of command well there's a reaction there first there's a reaction for whatever you did there's a consequence for it and maybe it wouldn't have been so bad maybe there's a pile of things that you did that they just swept under the rug and and now they're just all right we're we're ripping all this stuff out and we're just gonna crush your soul because look what look what you did you know Right. It's weird to me when people don't understand that. They don't, they're just, no, it's not my fault. It's, it's my command. They're screwing me over. Well, you know, there are bad commands out there. I'll give you that. There are bad people out there, but the chances that they're just screwing you over because they're terrible people. I mean, it's really not that high and it's, it's, it's pretty low. Right. There's always something. Like yep. there has to be something going else that's going on and everything. Um, I had this soldier when we were in, uh, we were over in Kuwait who had Valerian root, which, you know, at the time wasn't like a thing, like no one knew anything about it. Well, he was, he had one of those vapes mm. and he shared it with somebody and then they freaked out, you know? And then, uh, okay. and then it happened again and then they were like, okay, like Valerian roots, like nothing, can't do it. <clears throat> Don't share it, all this stuff. And then he did it once again, he shared it. And then someone went to the, the aid station cause they're just, you know, they're freaking out. <laughs> and then the command just swept down the rug. They're just like, all right, we're going to counsel you. Like, don't do it again. And so that's what I did. I counseled him. Like, hey, man, why, stop sharing this stuff. Like, it's not that hard. Just don't share it. And he's like, and he's like, all right. And I was like, honestly, you should just like stop doing it. Like, it's it's not even that great. Like, so then he was like, okay. <clears throat> well, then like a week later, he gave it to another soldier. And same thing happened. Freaking freaked out and went to the aid station and it was like a whole thing. There was like a bunch of medics there. Guy was like puking and. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then they're just like, okay, we're, we're going to drop the hammer. And like, I'm looking at him I'm like, dude, why did you do this? <laughs> 
like we had a talk. Like, why did you do this? Like you, all you had to do is just not right. share it. And he was like, I thought he was cool. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> you, he was cool? you sure, bud? You thought he was cool, like, and then just like I, you know, we issued this Article 15 to him, and uh, mm-hmm. and I look at him like, do you understand what's happening? He's like, yeah, it is what it is, and I was like, that's that. I mean, like, while I hate that response, you know, but he's right. It is mm-hmm. what it is. Like, there's really nothing he can do because he literally went against the current in this one. Right. So like when people like tell me that like, Oh, I, I tried to fight it and they just screwed me over more. And it's like, well, maybe you really did fuck up, you know? Yeah. I definitely see that in patience too. Um, because like I get it. We are as healthcare professionals, we need to treat the best we can. And like we provide you care, right? But people yeah. come into the aid station during sick call and even to the clinic thinking we have like this magic pill that's going to fix everything. Like, no, we don't. <laughs> and then <laughs> the whole thing with TRICARE is that you can't just be like, oh, I want this done. Um, you Like example being like you have common thing a bad back like oh i want to get x-rays done like uh okay well what are your symptoms like there's this whole algorithm essentially that you have to fill and go through before we can go about sending you to pain management or giving you uh some sort of pain medication and stuff like that right because not everybody wants to take uh prescriptions so like okay we'll work with that you know physical therapy um physical therapy doesn't work then we'll get some imaging done. If you don't see anything on the x-ray, then we'll get an MRI or a CT, like depending on what the provider thinks. And then if nothing else works, then we'll go to um, just like the next specialty clinics. But I have a soldier that's like, oh, well, like I can't do this because it makes me really anxious. And like it, I get, I break out. I'm like, okay. Makes you anxious. Yeah, like talking with yeah, talking to like chain of command and stuff like that, and then they have like some sort of like inflammatory response or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, I just can't." And then now I feel like this, and I'm just really uncomfortable and stuff. And I'm like, "Okay, well, what do you?" I literally like at this point, I ask patients, "What do you want me to do for you? What do you think the provider could do for you?" Well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Like, okay, well, first thing is first you don't want to take any anti-anxiety medications right so and you don't want to go to counseling to for you to help figure out these anxiety flare-ups anxiety attacks and stuff like that which is again it's all they're all very like real things and such right but you don't want to put in the work what do you expect me to do for you you don't want to take yeah. medication because um, it's going to make you drowsy, X, Y, and Z, or whatever. So then you have two issues that are linked into each other. What can I do for you? And they just stared at me like, well. Do you think, do you, do you think that's like partially people trying to like work the system so that they can get out or something? Or like, like I'm not saying that they don't have the problem, but mm-hmm. do you think that they're trying to be like, oh, none of your treatments work, so just kick me out kind of thing? Or like what? So, like, some people do, like, unfortunately, people really do play the system of trying to get a med board. I mean, yeah, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it plenty of times. 
Yeah, and then um, so if it, they can't get the med board and they're about to get out, then they definitely start um, coming in for things or like saying that certain things hurt when we have we run all the tests and all the diagnostics and nothing physically that we can see uh, physiologically is wrong. Um, so then that's like the VA claims and stuff like that. Uh, it's funny because when I had staff duty earlier this month, uh, there was this packet that was like a copy of a copy of a copy of how to present <laughs> yourself at your VA appointment. <laughs> wow. And it was literally like okay. lower – lower back or lower um, limb injury, you have limited range of motion, burning uh, pins and needles sensation, X, Y, and Z, all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I can't be mad at that because... I mean, (laughs) (laughs) boy, just trying to get that hundo, you know? Right. And like, I understand it and I get it um, because like personally... I guess seeing people that come in for bullshit and stuff that just want to get out of work or get out of doing like a PT test and stuff, it's frustrating yeah. for me because now I'm at that point in my career where I actually need to get seen for things. You have problems. Yeah. Yeah. So like my um, – when I'm laying flat on my back, my big toes will fall asleep. If it, and if it's not just my big toes, my feet, and then eventually my entire legs, like they'll just fall asleep. Oh, no. They'll just go numb. Yeah. But uh, I don't I have had, any pain. I had those issues. I had those same issues. Uh, mine was more like if I was laying like back toward kind of like a recliner mm-hmm. kind of way. And my, my toes would go to sleep and they would curl up. <laughs> and then like... And then my calves, like I could feel it in my calves where they're, you know, like they're falling asleep on the backside. Right. And I would always be like, oh, you know, this is just a thing that happens to me if I sit in this position. Yeah. So let but me just like, not sit in the position. <laughs> yeah. 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 So then when I went to the doctor, she was like, oh, yeah, that's like a telltale sign that like you have there's a back issue that like we don't know what the issue is, but there's an issue where like you're sitting a certain way and it's cutting your nerve off. And I'm like. Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't know that. I just thought that was part of my body, you know? Yeah. We just and, built uh, different, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm built different. You know? But what scares me about this whole thing where there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, I, and I don't know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say everybody or anything like that, but there are a number of people out there that are working the system. And what scares me is that I'm getting out in two years. And like, I got some serious problems with me, um, that I'm working to take care of. And I've been going to the doctor to try to reverse, which, um, I, I sort of have found uh, a way for my back to mm-hmm. not feel any pain because last year I was in some serious, serious pain, but mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of got rid of the pain problem, but now I still just have the, you know, the action, there's the issue that's there that just hasn't been relieved. And, um, and so what worries me is that, like, the army is going to be like, okay, well, we're tired of this and we're going to implement these things. And then I'm going to have to either go through this whole crazy system just to be like, dude, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm not a liar. You know, and, and if you look at the army now with TRICARE, it, it, the army is already like that, where we have medics down at the unit and you're like, hey, bro my knee is jacked up and they're like, okay, sure it is. 
<laughs> oh, that's nice, sweetie. Would you like a lollipop? <laughs> and you're like, you're like, okay, like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, all right, here's these stretches, and here's this Motrin, and you're like, you know, as a, as an infantryman, I'm I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So Motrin, like, bitch, I take ibuprofen. And they're like, no, no, this this works. You know, so then you're like, okay, fine. So I got to wait two weeks to actually be seen by the provider. And they're like, just do stretches, see what happens. So then, you know, as an infantryman, I'm just out there fucking like, you know, suffering a little bit with my knee. And and I come back, you know, and and I'm like, okay, like, it's not, it's not fixed. Can you, can you send me to the provider? And this happened, this really did happen to me in Alaska. Mm -hmm. Um, so I go to the provider and, you know, you're, you're down there for a while because there's usually a lot of people and there's, there's one provider per, you know, however many uh, per company or per, you know, battalion or right. whatever it was back then. <laughs> so I go in there and he's like, he comes in, he's like, what seems to be the problem? And I'm like, my knee hurts. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what to do. Help me. <laughs> and he goes, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I, 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 I'm speechless. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you want to do to me. Like, I honestly just cut it open and see what's going on in there. If that's what you really want to do, you know, like that's where I was at. Cause I was right. in so much pain and, uh, you ended up sending me a physical therapy, you know, like there's the route that they got to do. I went to the physical therapist. This is how I know how to cheat the, the TRICARE system. You got to go to physical therapy because those mm-hmm. physical therapists can do whatever they want. They're basically a doctor, but they're just like they're they're doing, you know, muscular and uh, muscular to skeletal things rather than just like you know, whatever the other alternative is, which is surgeries and stuff. They're just trying to fix the problems I surround it. Right. And I, I go to him and I'm like, uh, this hurts and I don't know what to do. But I got told take me and eat Motrin and do stretches. And then he, you know, really discussed with me, like, you know, what he thought the problem was and how we were going to fix it. So like, this is something that I had never experienced as a soldier before, Mm -hmm. but explain to me how he was going to fix it. And then, and then we did that. And then he got x-rays and MRI done. And he's like, yeah, man, you got some trauma in there that you really do like you're this is going to cause you a lot of pain through your life. And the alternative is like, I would say probably in a few years, get an arthroscopic surgery and then clear that stuff out. And then you should be good for a while again. And so in my, I never experienced that in health, army healthcare before, just because, you know, the routes that we have to go through the gateways that we have to go through. And so. Right. Kind of baffled me. So now I now I go to now I try to get into physical therapy as much as possible so they can tell me what the problems are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like that's actually with the holistic health fitness, that's what they're there for because they're it consists of occupational therapists for like mental mm-hmm. like very baseline mental stuff um, to help you like have better sleep hygiene, you know, stress, uh, goal setting, stuff like that. Like the very like bare minimum of 
yeah, making yeah. sure you're up on your mental health. And the whole strength coaches, mobility coaches, physical therapists, physical therapist assistants and stuff like that. So like when you were like, oh yeah, the medics just gave me stretches. It irks me because yes, that's the answer, but we also have to educate the patient on what the stretches are and how to do them, what it's stretching. I mean, because, that was, yeah. that was like, shoot, nine years ago, 10 or eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like, you know, a kind of a different army then. Right. Yeah. But still like, I a different kind of holistic view. <laughs> some medics are still lazy like that though, because they're like, Oh yeah, they'll just do these and stuff. And not like, uh, actually educate the patients and stuff. So that's why I'm like, nah, man, don't be protecting them. No, <laughs> they're garbage. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I've been going to. I've been, because I tell people um, now the new thing is instead of like, here's these stretches, it's go to H2F. <laughs> and then uh, what is H2F? the holistic health fitness, the new thing that they're is pushing that a out. building. Or is that a site or? Yeah. So for us, um, each brigade has their own H2F team. So um, they just implemented it at Carson um, this year. Or like they're starting it up this year. And then it's going to be full swing um, in October, I think. And then down here, uh, it's been here for a couple of years now. Um, and it's. Um, so this is a team of people. Yes team of civilians that treat you for your musculoskeletal injuries okay. because um are there like strength coaches and yes. like stuff like that yeah so i is actually it per battalion or is it per brigade or, or or what is it yeah so it's a every brigade has a team and then from there if they have enough people it's per battalion so each battalion has oh, wow. a strength coach that they do PT with because it's no longer the better reach and shit like that. No, fuck that. Get that out of my yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, actual like mobility stretching and stuff like that and dynamic stretching in the morning before you do your weightlifting, before you do your sprints, you know, and before you do your distance runs and everything like now, that. Now, how often are these companies working with that strength coach? Every day. <laughs> So they so, um, have a plan and like, Hey, here's the PT plan. And some soldiers um, go to the class of being like, Hey, this is what we tell. This is what you guys are working on when you, we tell you to do these stretches and they do like a very bare minimum two week course of like calisthenics uh, essentially. And like working out and like the idea of like, Oh, make sure you have like, like nutrition class on top of like strength training and stuff. And then from there, those guys go back to the <laughs> units and run PT according to the plan, the PT plan that the coaches wrote for that battalion. So being a, uh, an infantryman, how, how often do you feel that everyone is actually conducting this plan? And how often do you think people are like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I would say... I don't know what the plans look like, so I, I don't know how great they look, but, like, I can just hear some infantrymen right now. Right. No, I get that, because a lot of the... Uh, um, it's strange, because people that join, like, my generation... Yeah. It's a half... It's a 50-50, so 
half of them really okay. enjoy it and the other half are like oh this is dumb i'm like okay would you rather be doing push-up and sit-up drill for fucking 45 <laughs> minutes no bro i'm sorry that's why you're a weak bitch anyways like <laughs> dude get out of my face this is great i would do it i would do it way over a five mile you know what i'm saying like yeah definitely oh, um so i think it's 50 50 because the newer soldiers they're they are genuinely built different <laughs> because uh, I think I mean, we that's fair. talked about it or um, it came up on the podcast how these newer soldiers that are coming in, they already have some sort of strength training or weightlifting background from sports and such. Whereas, I mean, like, for the kind of sort of. Or they have like an interest because it's a new cool thing on social media to like go to the gym and stuff. <laughs> what I've seen, like, it, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I would say that it's it's different. Like, like, uh, hmm, how do I explain this? When when we came in the army, uh, it was like balls to the wall go as hard as you can, no matter what. And that's why we created a bunch of A-type personality individuals who like, you know, as NCOs, like failing is not an option to us and figuring out how to beat around or get around this uh, is the only option. <laughs> and the new, the new individuals coming in, you're right. They're like, uh, they're, uh, better prepared for physical, um, physical activity, or I should say most of it. There are people that are like getting in there. They're like, not, yeah, <laughs> not, not capable. <laughs> yes. Um, no, hundred percent. <laughs> But like uh, Genesis has really um, caused a huge issue with applicants. Mm -hmm. So like at this point, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. When, when I first um, uh, when I first got into a position to see um, what was walking into the army, I saw like a bunch of like capable men and women and they'd like, you know, they really were like somewhat patriotic or they wanted to use the benefits for whatever reason or, you know, they, but they were, they were built and like ready. But after Genesis came along, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. We have some like really, really, really awesome people meant for the army. And then we have some like, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do, or I don't know how it's going to be for you. I really hope it helps you kind of thing. And that's always kind of been a thing for the army. Like mm -hmm. there's always been people that really needed the army. They could have really used it for whatever reason, whether that's discipline or becoming mentally tough or uh, becoming physically tough or, you know, just improving their life all around. Um, so I'm like, you know, I'm curious to see with this new generation, what happens, what I don't want to see is the army, like, go revert, continue to revert into this political um, correctedness cave where we're just like, well, let the soldiers do what they want because uh, I I don't know. They're a human being. Like, they're we're going individuals. Going to war, dude. We're going to go shoot people in the fucking face. <laughs> like, right. there's no, I'm sorry, man. Like, bullets don't discriminate, buddy. <laughs> 
Yes, but thank you for changing the regulation that I can wear lipstick in uniform and paint my nails <laughs> a solid color. Fantastic. I am ready and 100% because that is going to be on my mind when my gloved hands or not gloved hands are covered in blood to treat a patient. Yes. I got my fucking hot ass nails though. They should be fire. Like, no, fuck off. I don't care about the uniform. Damn. I don't, I, I've never, I don't think anybody's ever like looked good in uniform. It's tough to, it's tough to pull it off unless you're one of those people that go get it, you know, tailored. It's yes. tough to pull it off. That is a new trend I've been seeing, like, with the summers. Um, people will um, – okay, whatever. Females will um, tailor them, so they'll put a seam um, on each side, on the front and the oh, back. Oh, yes. Uh, it was like, what the fuck? For a while, I just thought that was a female uniform. No! They they literally yeah. pay money for that. I'm like, What? <laughs> Excuse yeah, me? I literally thought I would see it. I would be like, why does that look so much different from my uniform? Right. Like, are we just discriminating against men? Because I want a small waist, too. <laughs> just like, you know? I want to have an hourglass <laughs> figure in this uniform, bro. <laughs> Which I'd be like, <laughs> again, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. But I'm also like, who the fuck cares? But it's also like, why, why should I care what other people are doing in the uniform? to their uniform to look I mean, a certain yeah. way. So it's it's like weird, but I think it looks dumb. That's a tough part about our generation is yeah. that like we are in we were in the transition of like uh stop being a pussy mm-hmm. and also like well these people do have feelings. So so right. we're at this weird part where like I'm I shouldn't care about the way you're wearing that uniform, but like like Kind of do. I kind of do because I don't like it. It looks dumb. You look dumb. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, oh, thanks. I could dye my hair. Oh, amazing. That was the first thing that was on my mind when I joined the army. Can I dye my hair? <laughs> like, fuck there, it. I, the, the other surprising thing to me is how successful people in the army are becoming while still in. Like, uh, and there's this, uh, I, I think she's a start first class or a, a first art. I can't really remember. I can't really remember. I, I haven't seen her videos in a while, but she does, uh, she has hair products that she sells. Oh yeah. And the redhead. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's like super popular. And I, like that to me, that makes me feel good. Like, you know, cause like in the past, like, you know, people always talk about like homeless veterans and stuff like that, which is like definitely a thing of the, uh, mostly the past, I would say for now, unless you really, really mess yourself up when you get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like to see soldiers, really promoting themselves and becoming some sort of success in some sort of way that makes me super happy. I mean, like, you know, when we look at, um, mandatory fun, like that dude is awesome. And he's promoting such a great message to like, not only leaders, Mm -hmm. but also to like young men, which is, has been like an issue in our society for like the last, um, probably like five years where like young, young men are not living up to their potential, like almost at all. And 
there is a big population that are unwilling to do some hard shit to be successful. And like a lot of people think nowadays that they're just going to be influencers, wherever the case, I've talked about this before, but regardless, like there is a huge population that think that they're just going to be influencers and they're unwilling to just put down their foot and do some hard ass shit to be successful. Like everybody starts at the bottom. There's no way that you're just going to start off at the top unless you're born into it, you know? So like, you know, as an American, you know, you think of, well, you know, being an American, you should be already born at the top. Well, you, you are to a certain degree, but you still have to work. Mm-hmm. You still have to put in the work to move up. Just because you're born in this country doesn't mean that you have the privilege to be uh, given anything. Like, you still have to work for your your dreams and your goals. And that's that's just something that I see a lot of soldiers doing now. And that honestly makes me happy, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And then also, there's still some soldiers that join because it's like a family thing, too. And stuff. Oh, for sure. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, what I found with that is that they want to follow the same path of the person before them and such. Like, example, like, oh, my dad was a ranger and he retired as a SAR major. And now my brother, older brother, he's in um, Ranger too. And now I, it's my turn and stuff. And I'm just kind of like, yes, I get it. I understand. But do you see how much stress you're putting on yourself? Because we, we see something and like, we want to get it. And because we want to be just like them and stuff. But like the reality is, is that yes, it'd be cool. And that's, to like just continue that. But at the end of the day, um, I was just like, you know, what are your goals? What kind of person do you want to be? You know, like if you genuinely want to be an influencer, cool. What kind of message do you want to send? What kind of following do you want to have? Do you want to just have people that just mindlessly follow you because you're funny, but then like in reality, you're actually super depressed. And so now you're making memes off your depression and stuff and you're not getting help, but you're getting this attention. So then now it's like that whole spiral or like, do you want to just try to have like, oh, this is what I've learned in this experience doing this thing. Don't follow me. And do the mistakes I did do better than this, or I would advise you do this, you know, like what kind of person do you want to be general and stuff? And then at the end of the day, did you do things that helped you meet that goal? Because it always seems like the affirmation uh, that you can get is dangerous in the army. Mm -hmm. Like you need to really take like personalize your career and make it your own because it is your baby and you need to shape it how you want to shape it. Don't like, like, sure. Like if you want to follow the family crest and go Ranger, Mm -hmm. like just do it right. Like, don't just be like, I need to suffer as much as possible so I can be ready for Ranger school. Well, in reality, like you need to understand hard shit, but like you need to take care of yourself. Yes. Like truly take care of yourself as a soldier, because like while we have like this sister and brotherhood with us, there's always the time that you have to go home and wherever home is and 
you might not be with those brothers and sisters. And so you, the support does fall off every day where you're kind of by yourself and you're, you know, you have to make actual life decisions when you leave work. It always seems like when we're at work, like work is work and, and like work's usually pretty fun. I would say in the, like there are some dumb stuff, but like uh, as soldiers, like we may, we try to make it fun. Right. Mm -hmm. We always like joke about stuff and what have you, but like, at the end of the day, when you go home, that's where all the actual life stacks on top of you. And like, if you're not taking care of yourself and your life, then you're going to have a really hard time. And no one at work's going to see it because you're going to go to work because you're happy there. And then when you leave work, you know, you're going to go home to your barracks room or to, you know, your family home. And like, if you're not taking care of those things, especially, you know, your physical health is like extremely important for your mental health. Like mm. that's literally, it's listed at like the top treatment now for mental health is physical, is training your physical health. Yes. And so it's just like, I, f I feel like a lot of soldiers, they don't, they don't actually take care of themselves in that way. They go home and they play their video games and they put all these actual life decisions and these life issues. They put them out in their closet and try to lock that door. But there's only so much you can put in there before you can't close the door anymore. Right. And then that's the thing, too, is that you go with you like at the say like this unit was really crappy and stuff like that. And you're looking forward to your next PCS. And then you get to your next unit and it's cool for like a couple of weeks, but then things kind of just start like the rose color tinted uh, glasses or whatever. They start to fade out and you're back to reality yeah. again. But like, yeah, you go with you wherever you go and stuff. So if you're not right, going like putting yourself in another environment, yeah, that might help, but it's still not um addressing that root issue and stuff because i definitely yeah. i hate to say it and i hate to admit it but it happened to me and i <laughs> i talked so much shit about these ncos until it was me but i became that oh. nco that preferred to stay at work versus going home yeah <laughs> and, and it was disgusting it, it's weird <laughs> it's weird like you don't you're confused. Like one, I feel like there's always an anxiety in the back of our minds. Like, mm -hmm. is there work to be done right now? Right. <laughs> you then, know, but then at the same time, like the workplace isn't a bad place unless you're making it a bad place. So like as NCOs, we know how to make it a great place because we've been here for a minute. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I feel you. Yeah. And like, that's why we're too, um, I always try to just buy lunch or just take my Joe's out to lunch and stuff like that too. And people sure. are always like, Oh, why are you spending so much money? I'm like, because at the end of the day, <laughs> I can go home to a house and these guys are stuck in the barracks and who yeah. knows what they're going to do. So, at, and yeah. they're away from their families. I kind of have mine, right? Like, at least I have my dog. I can go home with my dog, whereas they're just going <laughs> in the room to do what? Like, yeah, hopping on Discord with your, like, having your friends there is cool, but, like, it's something different to have something physical there. So, by me extending my hand out saying, hey, you guys did a good job today, or hey, let's go take a break. I know this sucks right now. Let's just, let's go chill and eat some food. Um, like, that is like shows significant difference in like the team cohesion and stuff. So 
Well, I think like we were we were doing this thing where we were taking the Joes to the paintball course, mm-hmm. and uh, we were training them, but then we would just play paintball, and like just and they might not have like thought so, but from the outside view of watching these soldiers play this game with each other and like shoot each other and have fun and talk about it. They were really coming together and like, it's stuff like that where like everyone's going out together as, uh, as a team or just doing things together where like, yeah, you're stress testing them a little bit, but it's different. It's for, there's, it's for a different cause. It's just for fun. Right. And like people love that. And when they find enjoyment next to the person that maybe they've never found enjoyment next to, they start to create a bond. And so it's, it's, and it's like the opposite of trauma bonding, but like, you're still yes. bonding, like, you know what I'm saying? And so like, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things. And then, and then you start seeing people, they're like, uh, you know, that never hung out before or anything like that. And all of a sudden they're playing, like, let's just say Minecraft with mm-hmm. each other. And they're on a discord server for like several hours with each other. And like that type of uh, commitment to another human being that I'm going to spend this much time with you and talk to you and, and just have fun with you. Like, I don't know. It's, it's super important. I know for sure for soldiers, I just, I I wouldn't know how to explain it as a psychologist and like, you know, what it does for a human being, but like that close knit family type feeling with other humans that, I mean, you're on the same team, so you're in the same situation with each other. Right. And then also, too, it's like you're already committing. Like, time is the most valuable thing that every single person has. And you're already there. So you might as well just put effort into it and effort into building these relationships mm-hmm. and stuff like that because yeah you might never see them again which is fine like if that's up that's up to you but you're already there why would you make it m- miserable for you why would you make that experience miserable for you and then also spread that to other people and stuff yeah so i remember uh and i use i use these two as an example all the time I mean, all the time, mm-hmm. but when we were in Colorado and when uh, you actually, when you were in our platoon, right, um, mm-hmm. we had, I, I was in charge of uh, Wedgwood and um, uh, Shelly. <laughs> I was, I was tough on those two. I was really tough on them. I mean, I, I, and you know, when I think back, I'm like, man, I was way too tough, but like two things happened. One, those two would legitimately do anything for each other. And when I say that I trauma bonded them, like, <laughs> I mean, they're definitely, <laughs> they're definitely uh, two peas in a pod and they would do pretty much anything with or, or for each other. And then the second part was like, they knew exactly what to, I didn't even have to say it. They just knew exactly what to do every, at, at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, the, why I, I hate that it took the things that I did to, for them to do those things. But like, you know, I, I saw Wedgwood was in another squad at the time. And when we were going through things, he had to jump into my squad. And I asked him, I was like, Hey man, do you want to be in my squad? And he was like, or in my team. And he's like, yeah. And 
<laughs> and I brought them over and I was super tough on them. And, uh, I think one of them told, uh, Moyer one time they were like, I don't want to reenlist because I don't want to have another leader like Sergeant Walker and our platoon sergeant at the time. And I was like, fuck, Ooh, that sucks. Yeah, I know. I really had to, I really had to like that, that really crushed my soul because mm-hmm. I loved them. Like they were the best soldiers I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were going to make super good leaders. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I was like, I gotta take a, like, I gotta change somehow. Right. Slowly, but surely it took a lot of time for me to switch up my leadership. But yeah, which, you know, like, I know some soldier or some leaders have to like go through that where they learn those things, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was a tough lesson for me. So yeah, like <laughs> you know when you when you're going through some tough shit and you're like there anyways, why not try to make the most of it and who you're with? And those two legitimately made the most of it and who they were with. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, also good on you for recognizing that because and you see it and then you implement a change for yourself, for your future soldiers and stuff, because, um, there's an NCO, um, that I worked with. Well, he was in the same brigade and, um, one of his soldiers, um, that I ended up being one of my best friends, um, for reasons. And, uh, he legitimately, he literally said like some shit. Oh, fuck. What was it? Oh, he's like, I don't care if uh, if I'm the reason why soldiers kill themselves. And it's like, Whoa. first of all, why would you want to be that way in the fucking first place, you piece of shit? Like, excuse me? Yeah. What? And stuff. That's and, disgusting, dude. And like, yeah. And unfortunately, like his soldier um, had like major life events happen and everything like that. And then like I picked up on it. I was like, you know, this, like I haven't seen this person in a while um, in clinic. Like, I wonder what's going on. And then just like, oh, you know, he's just feeling sick and like would get treated. And I'm like, hey, okay, well, you know, he's looking a little like a little thinner than usual and stuff. But I was like, fuck it, you know, I'm not gonna ask questions. It's I'm, like not don't want to step on anybody's toes and stuff like that because he's not with in my chain of command kind of dealio. So whatever, yeah, yeah. but Hey, like, are you going to go eat lunch? Because like in clinic, um, it, there's always something going on. So I had to make, I always made sure that my soldiers ate lunch and I was like, Hey, are you going to eat lunch? Like, yeah, you know, I got, I got something. I'm like, okay, well I have food for you here. Go warm this up. And then just like, no, it's okay. I'm like, no, go warm, go warm this food up. Like it's extra. I have yeah. it eat it and stuff. And that just kind of was just like slowly um, just snowballed into like me not being directly involved with what's going on with him, but also just kind of being like, I see you. I'm not going to ask questions, but know that I see you and I know something's wrong kind of deal. And then that just kind of escalated. Was that a person soldier? Hmm? Yeah. That was, that was this. Yeah. So then he ended up, um, so that NCO ended up deploying. He fucked up so bad and fucked up as in not doing anything fucked up that they sent him back 
<laughs> he went forward and they're like, fuck you. We don't like you. You don't do shit. And they sent him back uh, <laughs> to the States. I hate, um, I hate him just for the words he said. Like, yeah. Ugh. And then get what this shit too. Person. They put him because the chain of command didn't want to deal with him. They put him at a BLC. Oh no. So who knows if he got whipped into shape over there or not for some retraining on how to be an NCO, but yeah, he, he was in a shape. I hope. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope. But Man. Yeah. That's that's the worst thing to me is like if anybody knows me, I just I regularly talk shit. Right. I don't know. It's funny and that's all i'm trying to do is just have a good time we're just trying to have a good time and people talk shit to me you know like if anybody's seen moyer you know or or chicone around me they i mean they like regularly shit on me you know but that said like i would never i would never in a million years like want that to happen to my soldiers no matter like what the situation was or what a terrible person. Right. And then, like, it's one thing to, um, it's one thing for, to, to, like, joke about it, but then it's another thing if, um, you genuinely mean it. And that dude fucking meant it. Oh, I'm yes. like, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with you? Who the fuck are Ugh. you to make that decision for somebody? And, like, to think, oh, yeah. I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> But yeah. Ugh. I think I just killed a fly. Let's go. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Fucking there's one fly in my house and he's annoying the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um think about how uh, how insane it is. Like uh no one well, I shouldn't say no one, but not a huge population, I would say very small population outside the army is able to joke about uh, mental health or, you know, death. That dark humor. Yeah. yeah. But, like, people in the army, it's like a staple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like, this is how we live, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting through the day, you know? And so, I think it's, I think it's pretty insane. I, I've, uh, I've been in a community for a while now and I've, and I've been, you know, just helping out in some random places. And sometimes there are moments where like the dark humor kind of takes a step out of the door mm-hmm. and people are like kind of taken aback. And I'm like, Oh, better shove him back in the closet. Close the door, you know? <laughs> right. Just like you know, oh, the- <laughs> wrong crowd. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Let me backpedal real quick. <laughs> and so like, it's, it's, kind of weird like you know you kind of get this like glimpse where someone's like you know some you're joking around and people are being funny and you're like oh yeah I'll just kill myself and then people are like <gasps> and you're like oh god <laughs> oh like, what are, how do i get out of this one you know <laughs> yeah because yeah, like every now and then um just like when I'm doing stuff, I'll just kind of like sing like little tunes to myself. And one of them is like, every day I'm getting closer, taking a bath with my fucking toaster. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's funny and stuff. And I'll be saying that. And I'm like, oh, fuck, wait. Oh, shit. <laughs> <My round. laughs> yeah, 
I, I think the best thing in the world is having innocent officers around salty NCOs because like the officers like they're trained differently, you know, like they're trained like happy go lucky and, and like feel the breeze and enjoy your life and you're getting paid well. And yeah, you got to work long hours, but you're, you're leading men and women and (laughs) salty NCOs just in there. Just like, I've been around the block, like fuck you and everything you stand for, you know? And so when they get in close quarters with those NCOs and they start bringing out the dark humor, it's just like the best thing I've ever seen. They're like, why do you think that about yourself? You know, and then they just keep going <laughs> along with the joke because they know they got him in the ropes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, and in the, the, the lengths that soldiers are willing to go to be comfortable, it baffles officers. I mean, really throws them for a loop. <laughs> I, uh, I, I remember we were in Kuwait and I was, uh, I was, uh, freaking McNaughton's gunner and, uh, at one point, dude, like literally it was so hot in the Bradley. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was dying and I just took everything off. And I was just in there, just pretty much naked, you know? Yeah. And boy, it was just like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, shut up, dude. You're standing up there. Like you get to be outside of this, you know, heat trap. I'm in an oven right now. And we're sitting here. We sat there for three hours and I was just livid. So I was just like, dude, screw it. I'm going to take everything off. I'm going to be comfortable to some degree. Yeah, that was absurd, man. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he, he was like, what if, what if someone comes over here and someone, the, the, the star major came over <laughs> and, uh, and then he was like trying to get in the track and whatnot. And, and so I was just like, well, I'm making in here, star major. So please don't come in. You know, he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Naked. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> it's hot, <star> major. <laughs> <laughs> That's like always those things that I think is just hilarious when soldiers are just trying to be comfortable in their situation. Somewhat in disgust <laughs> what soldiers are willing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, also kind of like um, throwing it back at the officers when I switched over to aviation and they're like, yeah, we're going to go to the field. I was like, okay, you know, like I'm getting right. I'm like, listen, I got all the training I need to be in the field. Let's go. Let's fucking rock it. (laughs) And then they're like, oh, well, I mean, this is also just like them specifically and stuff um, with the guys that I was with. But then there's like little tent cots and then not only the tent cots, but like at NTC, the officers had like pelican cases, which they didn't need pelican cases because they weren't aviators, first of all. So they didn't need that for their flight gear. <laughs> but inside this pelican case was just everything you need for camping, camping. Like they had like a this tent cover thing, but for their cot. So it's like a privacy tent, essentially, <laughs> but on their cot that they. So I was like. Okay, I get that, you know, whatever. I mean, if you want to pack it, you know, you pack it, you lug it, that's fine and stuff. But then, like, it got, like, more in-depth of, like, oh, yeah, you know, here's this fucking uh, power strip on top of, you know, jet boil, which 
Jeb oil is fire. <laughs> I will say that. But they would Jeb pull out like so fire. actual meals versus like I remember when I saw for the first time going out to the field with you guys. You guys just had cans. <laughs> She's like, can't remember yelling and shit. I was like, oh, okay, that's a little heavy, but whatever. No, these guys, they fucking went out, spent the money for dehydrated meals because they didn't want to eat the fucking MREs. Whereas, like, I'm used to just seeing, like, ramen and, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mix it. Like, the tuna and whatnot. Right, yeah, just putting the tuna that's inside the ramen. That's what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. No. I was like... <laughs> Wow, that that must be that fuck you money the officers get because it couldn't be me. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> oh, it really blew my mind when I saw somebody take uh, Campbell's chunky soup or whatever and pop two holes of it and put it on top of a tank engine. And I was like, "What are you doing?" And they're like warming up my food, and then they walked away and came back, and it's like boiling over the top, you know. Uh-huh. And they're like, "Yes." You know, and they're just like, you know, like doing that little like, oh, I can't wait for this, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. We eating tonight, yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah. I remember when uh, we I got this MSR kit. I had like a pot, bowls, plates, spoons, cups, all kinds of shit. And it all fit inside the pot. And mm-hmm. the pot was like really not that big. And so uh, – and that fit inside of a bag and I hung it up in, in Chacon's Bradley. And then, uh, I just had to connect the little like, you know, burner kit to it. And so we would go out there and we would make fucking pots of like ramen, like spicy as fuck ramen, you know, yeah. and, like, cause it's colder than shit, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I remember one time Chacon, I mean, it was sleeting so bad. I mean, he was getting pelted and you could hear his anger <laughs> by the way he breathed into his mic. And I was like, oh man, like, and so I told my guys, I was like, hey, when we get out, don't talk to Chacon, just get out, go inside the building or help him with the Bradley, whatever. Just do what he says and fucking just, just move forward. Cause he's gonna, he's gonna shit on you if you talk to him. And they were like, Oh, okay. Like they didn't understand. And so the first thing we got out of the Bradley and someone like bumped into Chacon and oh my God, I thought Chacon was going to beat his ass. <laughs> so <Is> then, that- <laughs> Go ahead. That's when it was like snowing and we built that, uh, terrain model inside the building. Yeah. As I say, was that when a uh, PL yeah. like fucking spray painted on yeah. the fucking floor? Oh, my God. <laughs> What an idiot, right? Oh, he was so proud. Oh, he was such a dummy. So then, like, we're sitting down, and I'm looking at you, and I'm like, you want to get underneath this poncho? And he's like, I'm wet. What do you think? And I'm like, all right, here's this poncho, you know? And then then I, like, start cooking ramen, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to give you some. He's like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like turns over and like goes to sleep and I and then I hand him his cup and I'm like here you go you know and he's just like he's like don't talk to me you know <laughs> most supporting me all the day Serena she comes way <laughs> yeah he's just so pissed it's moments like that where I like I get all warm and fuzzy because like I get so much enjoyment out of other people's misery and I don't know why. Like, uh, just like phys- like just physical misery, not like, you know, detrimental misery. But like, you know, when someone's just uncomfortable, I'm just like, ooh, I feel good. This made me all warm and cozy. I could be the most uncomfortable person on the planet. And as soon as someone's just like, oh, man, dude, I'm about to freak out. I'm like, oh, 
doing good. <laughs> <laughs> but do tell. You remember one? Yeah. Oh, please, please explain to me your emotions. You know, and like one time we're we're in the bra- back of the Bradley, and this, one of my soldiers, he's like, he's legitimately freaking out. It's pretty hot. Uh, I think we're at NTC, and it's pretty freaking hot inside the Bradley. And he's looking at me. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out. And I'm like sitting next to the door, and I'm like, No, you're not. And he's, he's like, I'm just sitting there, like you know, just just quietly suffering because you know, someone told me one time, shut up, suffer in silence, you know. So like, mm-hmm. that's just how I do things, right? And he's like, It's just too hot in here. I can't breathe. And I'm like, We are all suffering the same. And now, the spark has been lit inside of my gut, and I feel good. And I'm like, Oh my god, I've just been cooled off. Thank you. <laughs> Angel of glory coming down to save me. So then I go, I go, well, what if, uh, what if I stop you from getting out? And he's like, I'll bulldoze you. And I'm like, there's a lot you got to do to get outside this door. I'm like, well, what if you suffocate in here? <laughs> and then he really, he really starts to freak out. And I'm just like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's just oh, a, it'd be a shame if you couldn't leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, what if you run out of water? What if we all run out of water and we die back here and, and Akana doesn't even know? And he's like, please let me out. Please let me out. Every <laughs> 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 like, while, it's like, dude, shut up. You have plenty of water. You know, it's just hot, man. Just breathe through your nose, fall asleep, you know. Yeah. Just embrace the suck. Take a you nice, know? sweaty, fucking dank nap on each other oh, real quick. Oh, God. Yeah. When you come out of that Bradley and everyone's been sweating, you can smell it. It smells like, it smells like sex and shame. <laughs> I mean, it is absurd. I call that then, like, dick cheese. <laughs> like, y'all be smelling like fucking dick cheese out here all the fucking time. <laughs> Yo, Jenkins one time. So we're in Europe and Jenkins is like looking at me. He's like, I got to pee. And I'm like, okay, like hold it. I don't know what to tell you. So then I, I'm like, he's like, no, I really got to go. I was like, okay, is there a bottle back here? And he's like, no, no. Then I call it the stroke. Line. I'm like, Hey, is there a bottle back here that we can um, use? Cause Jenkins got to pee. And he's like, nope. Suffering silence, you know? And mm-hmm. so we're like, okay. So then I'm looking at Jenkins. I'm like, dude, you got to hold it. He's like, you don't understand, dude. I re- I will pee on the floor. And I was like, I was thinking in my head, right? I'm a specialist. So, like, in my mind, I'm like, anything goes. I was like, what if we just open the door while they're moving and you pee outside the door? He's like, yeah, but what if I fall out? Or or what if, uh, what if they turn and the door slams on my dick? <laughs> and I'm like... I'm like, that's that's a fair point, and I feel you, dog. We got one more option. He's like, what's the option? I was like, you can piss outside the porthole. And I was like, and he's like, okay, all right, fuck it. I'm going to do it. So the way that the porthole is positioned, he couldn't, like, he couldn't stand up and actually, you know, face it. So he's like, hey, uh, I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> like, oh no! You know, this is one of those, like, what soldiers are willing to do for comfort kind of things. Because he goes, "Can I lean on you?" And I'm not going to be able to see what I'm doing. Can you aim for me? And I go, <laughs> "I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you got to go that bad." And he's like, "Dude, I swear to God, I really might pee my pants right now." And I was like, 
all right, buddy, pull him down, you know? So then I literally was like, all right, down more, down more, you know, up more, you know, left overturning, oh, overturning, you know? <laughs> He's like basically laying down on top of me and peeing while trying to aim this thing. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, more right, more right, no, you're on the right, you know? Like, <laughs> so then uh, he gets done. The fucking. He has pissed all over the ramp. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. You know, and I'm like, that stinks, dude. Close the porthole, right? So he closes the porthole. And I'm like, you get to sit there. I'm not sitting there. I'm going to sit where you were sitting. And he was like, all right, like, I understand, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, Jenkins, like, he's just kind of laughing about it. But like, also, like, we just did some gay shit for this. <laughs> so, so then. So then we stop. They lower the ramp. And he fucking Strickland's like, why is my ramp all wet? I'm like, I don't know. I think I think Jenkins spilled some water. And he's like, Jenkins. <laughs> Jenkins comes over. He's like, he's like, why am I, why is my ramp so wet? And I was like, or he goes, I don't know. I think we spilled some water. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Good job, Jenkins, you know. And uh, and he's like, oh, okay. And then they just proceeded to sit there and eat their food on top of this pissed fucking, <laughs> this pissy fucking ramp. I mean, they didn't set any food on top of it, but you know what I mean. Like, right. They couldn't smell it? I don't know, dude. I'm just sitting there like, oh. I was like, Jenkins, we got to leave, bro. <laughs> Come, my child. We need to go. (laughs) Yeah, I just threw dirt on top of it. And he was like, why are you doing that? I was like, so it brushes off easy later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking A. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you always have bottles. Dude, yes. And that was honestly my lesson to always bring empty bottles. So anytime, like, we would go anywhere... In my Bradley, we would have like four empty bottles in the corner, and uh, McNaughton would like be like, "Why do we have all those empty bottles?" And it's like, "Dude, trust me, you're gonna have to piss at some point, and you cannot leave the Bradley." So like, if you got to piss or a dismount has to piss, like, I'm not gonna sit here and fucking you know, like not go. I'm gonna go when it's time to go, you know. And he was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I always had Weimber, like he was the. He was the best driver because, like, he would just – he would never make noise. He would just be like, Roger Sergeant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw he was posting, like, oh, back in the day. I'm like, bet. Out <laughs> 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 of his Facebook, I was like, shut the hell up. I got some fucking text messages from the group chat where <laughs> fucking Sergeant Cohen <laughs> was roasting your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Coimbra, bro. He went through a tough time when we first got – when he got to uh, old one six eight, and when he he got in, a, in a my squad, and like honestly, like I think he e- it either clicked for him or or something else. But I would just come up to Coimbra and I'd just be like, "Hey man, look, I get it, bro. You know what you're doing? Do it. Just do the PMCS. Every time I tell you to do PMCS, just do it." He's like, "Okay," and then like he would just do shit, and he would just be like, "This broke." And I'd be like, okay, fix it. And he'd be like, okay. And then he would fix it. He was literally the best driver I could have ever asked for. He's mm-hmm. like, uh, one time he comes up and he's like, this is leaking. And I, or I can't remember. I think it was actually a road wheel. And I'm like, Coimbra, fix it. And he goes, okay. I came back and I'm like, 
are there any problems? And he goes, no, I fixed it. And I said, okay, cool. And we never had any problems ever. Like all the other tracks always had problems. Mm-hmm. My track never had problems. And I, f- and like Coimbra did that shit. Like he was just on it, dude. And at first I was nervous to have him because, uh, I kind of always, you know, talked shit on him and stuff like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, you know, like, you know, why is he, why is he so bad? And like, they would tell me and like, you know, like, uh, kind of when it comes to Bradley's, like, I kind of knows what he's talking about. So like, I would always be like, all right, like, you know, this crap, you know, I really got to get this guy in shape. And then he just told, he's like, I got it. So I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. Whatever it is. You just tell me I'll do it. And then he did. I have no idea what they were talking about. One of the best soldiers I ever had. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to, trying to find the, I don't know if I said, did I ever send you the screenshots of the, (laughs) I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I'll uh, I'll fucking send them to you. <laughs> I think oh, it was Car. He sent up like some meme. It was like, uh, oh, my hands look like this, so my NCO's hands look like this, and then he oh, just popped yes. off. <laughs> oh yeah, he was so mad. He told me he goes, oh, there you go. I no, like it. fuck. Oh, I cannot wait. Oh my god, I love this. I'm I'm honestly probably going to post this. This is so much gold. It is so fucking good. <laughs> this was car. This was car that sent sent this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> <laughs> he was so pissed. You know, he, uh, Chacon was living with me at that time, and I literally heard him in the room upstairs. He's like, shut the fuck up. You know, and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Poor, poor guy. He's pissed. You know, he comes downstairs. He's like, look at this shit. You know? <laughs> oh, God. Fucking love Chacon. Uh, I hope he's doing good. I, I remember just like... The fucking wild ass stories he would tell us. Oh, really? Oh my god, he's he went through some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's in he's in uh, Korea. Uh, he, he's doing. Um, he's at a, a a BLC, I think, and he's he's training. Uh, I think he, I think he's training uh, just soldiers over there. Oh, okay. So he's like the, yeah. one of the instructors over there. Yeah, and I asked him if he was close for, like, if he was going to get uh, picked up this year, and he was like, "No, it'll it'll never happen for me." You know, coming from the Marines and whatnot, he's just like, "Yeah, it'll never it'll never happen for me." So he's like, "I'm just going to be a top E six, and I'll make it to twenty, and I'll have to leave the army." Well, isn't he pretty cool? I feel like he's close to retire his 20 years, isn't he? Because the time that he had in the Marines rolls over, doesn't it? Let's see. I'm at 10, so he's at 14, I think. Mm -hmm. Because he was in the, he's been in the Army as long as I have, but he was in the Marines for four years before that, Mm -hmm. I think. I can't remember. 
So yeah, I think he's he's at fourteen or something like that. But there's like a thing now. I think it's like fifth. You you have until fifteen to make seven. I think. So. The army? Yeah. I can't remember. I, I know they to. extended the time so that you can stay in longer at your rank. Yeah. For E7s, they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on. Um, what do they call it? R- RF- R- RSP? I don't recall. Oh, RCP. All right, yeah. Okay, so RCP for staff sergeants is 20 years of service still. Since 2008, they have been allowed 23 years. There will be no change to the RCPs for promotable staff sergeants through command sergeant major. Promotable staff sergeants and staff sergeant first class will be allowed 26 years of service. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I thought they had changed that. Hold on. CP indicates the number of years of time in service a soldier may not exceed for the grade they serve in. For instance, the RCP for, oh, yeah. Oh, they extended sergeant as well to 14 years. Yep. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, I think they did that when um, they started to realize, like, retention was so bad. <laughs> They're like, oh. Oh, God. We shouldn't be forcing people out right now. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's tough. Mm -hmm. Like, they really shot themselves in the foot. And, like, I don't know what you've heard on the news, but nothing you hear on the news is correct. There's one reason why retention fell through the floor for all branches, and it's honestly Genesis. Mm -hmm. Which sucks. Like, like I, I, uh... I don't think I, I didn't, I didn't lie about anything, but I had a really good doctor when I was joining the army and he just let me through. Mm-hmm. But, um, like before you used to be able to like, kind of hide minimal, minimal things that just really did not matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like one time I, yeah, like if you broke your finger or something like that and you had to go see the doc can't do that anymore. Can't hide that stuff. Right. And, uh, because of that, you need documents. So if the documents don't come back on Genesis, then you have to provide multiple, uh, documents from the actual doctor that saw the patient. And if it wasn't, if the, if the salute, there was no solution, there was no resolution to the appointment or something like that, they need follow-up documents. So like, let's say someone had a surgery, but they never went in for like, you know, like a couple weeks later to see the doctor again about their stuff. Then there's no resolution to the procedure and they need that. So they have to actually go see the doc again. So like where it could take like seven days for someone to join. Now it takes like, you know, six months sometimes it's freaking insane man and coming like if i were looking at the the military in general from like um like a very high position and stuff like that it makes sense because why would you want to have somebody join in with all these health issues 
for them to get through all this training and stuff yeah. like that and then it flare up or whatever and then it's yeah. it turns out to be something that they can get med boarded for or the training exacerbated yeah. their issues and stuff because for the um, for the healthcare side mm-hmm. it makes sense cuz it saves right. the army billions of dollars on the on the tail but, end yeah yeah there's there's it's a double edged sword mm-hmm. right you either accept all the money problems that you're going to have to deal with, or you accept the retention issues. Like the, and this is honestly crazy to me is how many benefits that the army does provide. Cause uh, when I joined, I, I just thought the army paid for school. Right. That's it. I didn't, I didn't know anything about TA. I didn't know anything about CSP. I didn't Same. know anything about anything and it wasn't because until i was an nco where like i started noticing like there's a health and wellness center on every post the amount of gyms that they provide bonuses that people can get uh it like the um like how much travel we've actually done and i heard like when i heard the travel thing i was like whatever like i'll go i'll travel to another state but it is insane to me how many places i have been and so like when people would say to me like you know i don't want to join an oil company or i don't want to die for an oil company or something like that it's pretty it's pretty insane to me mm-hmm. like no job that you get in America does not promote those things unless it's legitimately an eco company. But like, if you look at like everything you do supports everything that you just said, if you live in America, you support, we don't support oil companies. We support resources. There no country in the world would not support its own resources. If we needed resources, we would support, we, we would defend them. Right. That that just makes sense. If anybody's ever played a video game ever, they should know that. And then <laughs> right. on, on top of that, if you drive a car, you support an oil company. If you if you and then if your defense is that you drive an electric car, you support the burning of rainforest and the mining for lithium and the uh enslavement of human beings or or the 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 uh destruction of the economies for human beings i mean look at the cobalt mines in uh, was it africa or something like that where there are just there's this huge cobalt mine and there are just millions of people down there like mining this cobalt and like i wouldn't say they're enslaved i don't think that i think they get paid for it, but it's like it's just garbage Fucking shit yeah 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 like that, come on, dude. Shit ass like if you're gonna if you're gonna talk shit about a branch of the military, at least know what the fuck you're talking about before you use your words. Right, like do your research yeah. and stuff. And like the thing is too is like I, I tell people, especially because rear D, I see a lot of people getting out right sure. because chapter ETS whatever, and they're like, oh, the army's fucked me, whatever X Y and Z. I'm like, well, what did you do to milk the army? Like, did you go to school? Did you use your TA and stuff? Like, did you do these programs? Did yeah. you sign up for anything? Like, what? It, it is still your career. It is still your experience and stuff. So that's still kind of on you yeah. for not doing these things and stuff. And then actually, um, 
got into a conversation with a car and stuff because um, I posted, I was like, if you have a soldier that's saying that they're going to school and they get out, you already failed them because they're not in school now or they're not taking a class now and utilizing their TA. So they're starting from scratch when they could have knocked out at least half of an associate's. If that, you know, it made some progress and everything, but like there are, I get it. There are some units out there that just won't fucking let you. Um, well, it's impossible. Do now. What needs to be you, done? You, you right. have to. You ha- like you don't need a commander's signature anymore to do TA. So, right. If you're an NCO and you're not like, I want to say forcing, but at least educating your soldiers on like how to use TA or using it for yourself or something like you're failing yourself. And me and Emmer got into this conversation. He was like, Oh, TA doesn't provide enough to get your bachelor's or whatever. And I'm thinking in my head, like, but it does provide, why wouldn't you take 16 semester hours a year to help you along the way? It's definitely going to save you money a semester mm-hmm. or sorry, one term. Yeah. Semester worth of school is a lot of money and 16 credit hours is four more credit hours above a full-time student and at 12 credits that's on track to finish school at four years so if you're getting 16 per year and you got three years in the army and you get 48 credits you legitimately for some schools that's a that's an associate's and if you do six years right. in the army, that that's a freaking possible bachelor's. So yeah, it does take a little bit longer. But if you really bust your ass, you can put some money for it. Plus, if you're a private and you're signing up for FAFSA, bing, you're gonna get it. That's right. Yeah. I also actually got FAFSA too this school year, which I was really surprised about. I was like, oh thank god. Yeah. But um, which is badass. Yeah, you and get then, to put federal before FAFSA, so potentially you could get right. that money back. And then also, too, not only if, like, you're getting them to work towards a goal and stuff like that, you're teaching them time management. Yeah. And how to prioritize things and stuff like that. Because you, some class, okay, so some degrees are kind of a joke and some of the classes. Um, sure. But so I don't you can bullshit true. your way through. <laughs> but they, <laughs> you still have to commit time into it and stuff, especially if they have goals. I I mean, I guess me, for example, like I want to get a graduate degree. So I know I need to have a good GPA from this point on in order to get to a graduate program and stuff like that. So I can get selected first time go. A good graduate Um, program, not just an average graduate program, but a good one that really enhances you as a person being, as a person putting forth their credits. Right, exactly. And so, like, for me to be competitive and stuff, like, I need to put in the work now. So I have to take extra time to make sure I genuinely understand these things versus copy and pasting it and seeing, hoping that somebody put a Quizlet up, which, by the way, I'm that bro now. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. That's so, what like, I'm talking about. Like, like, pay it forward because, <laughs> listen, taking that cyber awareness – Whoever posted up the, those JKO trainings with the answers for the pretest, if you're in school, I got you, fam. What's up? But <laughs> like, yeah. So it's just teaching time management and you know, and just goal setting and stuff because being able to visualize how close you are um, to getting something 
fucking helps so much because like I literally had to print out this piece of paper with circle with hearts on it with each class that I have left for my bachelor's and I literally color them in when I'm done and I split them up by week too because yeah. I'm taking um eight week courses and when a where week you, is done I color it in so I'm like uh, AMU okay. American Military yeah, University okay. I've been using I'm, I'm going to post university and they okay. would do the same same concept yeah and then like there's I love AMU because there's literally a class that starts every single month and um speaking of the costs too and everything like that the classes they used to be seven they seven hundred dollars they bumped it up to eight hundred dollars but eight hundred dollars that's a hundred dollars a week for that course that you pay for that the army pays for and stuff like that so it's just like fuck yeah dude (laughs) (laughs) why not not only it's definitely on the cheaper end of like college courses and everything like that but still it's just fucking there so do it or even then just for promotion points you don't have to know what your degree is uh what you want to get your degree in and stuff like that get your general for your associates when you pick up five so that it counts towards your six or if you want to if you're just looking at your five and stuff you know just like stuff like that um it hurts my heart knowing that people don't like know about it or like don't want to put effort into it because they have no idea what outside life is i don't even know what the civilian life is because i went straight in from high school so i'm fucking terrified (laughs) but you know we're gonna research put in the time and figure it out (laughs) you know i i have uh been the army the last 10 years and so when i was when i'm looking to get out here in the next couple years and um Mm -hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't say that I, I wasn't scared. Like I am worried about when I get out, like what am I going to do? How, you know, I've, I've worked in the civilian uh, workforce before and can't say it was hard or not enjoyable, but like it is different, especially when you're walking into a higher tier job and you're really trying to promote yourself. No one cares about your time in the military. They care about, you know, your veteran status, but they want to know what you did. Like what, what, what about what you did in the army really matters to that workplace? Like, what are you bringing to the table? And that's fair to them too. Like, honestly, why should they care? But just because you served doesn't mean that like, you know, you're going to be a good fit for that, uh, that, that job. And so like, it's fair to them to ask those questions. Like, what do you think makes you a good employee here? Like, you know, from what I can see, you didn't really write much of a resume. Okay. Well, you know, then you got to really talk yourself up. And even then, like, they might just be basing you off your resume. So it's tough. Like, the nice thing is that the Army now has those classes where they really teach you about the benefits that the Army has or, like, uh, mm-hmm. they teach you how to write your own resume and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. Like, Alyssa's been in the global workforce since, you know, we've been together and like, Mm-hmm. She knows exactly what she needs to get done. Me, I mean, shoot, I'm going to leave here. And I was like, I'm just going to go work at Shields. I'm just going to get that discount, dog. 
Dude, Shields is fucking fire, though. I love going there. When it opened, I was like, listen, I know it takes 45 minutes for me to get up here, but I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. Like I tell her, it was so cool. I tell her that all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to go work at Shields so I can get that discount. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll do their program or something. I mean, but at the same time, I was like, maybe Mm -hmm. I'll just go work HR for them. Like, I am getting a degree in, in HR. So. Uh, I'm going to try to get my Sherm and, and like a, another person in my office, he's doing the same thing. So I'm kind of following his path. I got, I got, uh, 10 more classes, I think until I have my okay. bachelor's. And so like I got essentially two more years until I get my bachelor's. So yeah. I'm just biding my time. <laughs> Good on you for that, dude. Like, and also too, like I know, um, it's taking time away from, like, because you have kids, right? Yeah, you got three kids. Yeah, married. Yeah, the army's taking time away from you and your family. So, like, if you were to land an HR job with Shields or just HR in general, you could work from home and then still, like, hey, now it's my time to spend with the kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Um. And that's perfectly fine too. Like honestly, that was um, that was a goal um, for my previous relationship and stuff. Like I put in the time, you know, we'll have kids, and I'll, once I retire, then it's my turn to hang out with the kids, and you know, you do your thing and stuff. But that didn't pan out, so now I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and yeah. I would even say that, yeah, like I get it. You know, we spend a lot of hours at work sometimes, but something that I think a lot of soldiers uh, miss is how many days we really do get off. Uh, mm-hmm. And and that's something I kind of miss about a regular unit is like, you know, the three day, four days that would just come up out of nowhere. And you're just like, oh, heck yeah. You know, or the back to back four days or back. Back to back, four day, three days, or three yes. days, you know. <laughs> and so, how November is the best month, baby. <laughs> November, thank me fe- for my service. <laughs> November <laughs> to February is the best time of the year in the military. Yes, but uh, you know, and that's that's the greatest thing is like you know, people always ask me like, oh, you know, that's that must be tough on your family that you're in the army, and I'm like, no, you know, not really. Because mm-hmm. it's not like I don't see them or I don't talk to them or like, you know, I'm not being a father. I'm like, I'm there as much as possible. And like, it's not like the army doesn't give me my time to take care of my family. If I had something really happen or if I had to take my kid to school or if I had to go pick them up early or whatever I had to do, like the army's not going to say no. Like they're going to say, hey, go do your thing. We got you. Like, and as long as you're not making that a constant habit, no one's going right. to say anything to you because they get it. Most of the leaders above you have kids. Now, if you've got a first sergeant and commander who don't have kids, like, that's a little tough. It might be in the field a lot. But regardless, like, <laughs> regardless, like, yep. if you're not hunting. And this, this is something I heard for a long time, and I just thought it was such gibberish. So I would just 
throw it out the window and play it off. But hunting for the good stuff in everything you do is so important <laughs> as a human being. Like if you're just being negative because, you know, you're just like, well, I have to go to the field for five days and it's going to be so stupid what we're doing. And then my feet are cold and my I don't have a jacket that's warm enough. And uh, I have to sleep on the ground and um, I'm tired and I'm hungry. And you're just always spilling out negativity. You are going to live a negative life. I mean, that is just fact. But if you like literally are just like, it's cold out here, but... Coffee's coming soon. <laughs> Good. Yes. Coffee's coming soon. It might be trash coffee, but boy, is it warm. You know, or hey, you know, it's cold <laughs> out here, but your boy about to cook up that freaking that freaking ramen, dude. But gonna cook up that ramen, dude. But, but, but I put that poncho or that that wooby around me. But I put my wooby around me and be warm and cozy with my ramen, dude. Like. Oh, oh, we got to work on these Bradleys all the time. But when we in the field and that heater's going, oh, boy, can't wait till the Bradley gets back, baby. That heater's going to be going. I'm going to sit inside the Bradley and warm up. You know what I'm saying? Like, hunt for the right. man. Like, enjoy, enjoy the good things that the Army is willing to provide you while you're sucking. Learn how to suck less in the field. Like, it's just fieldcraft like just enjoy yourself as best you can you know or whatever's going on back in your unit oh we gotta do all this paperwork okay well that paperwork legitimately takes care of you and your family so just suck it up and do it right like just fucking do it right and learn what you gotta put in because yeah. again when you promote you're gonna have to do it for your soldiers too so that's fucking important yeah everything you do like there really is some good to everything that happens. And I honestly just heard this story about uh, this, this son and this old man. And I think, I think it's actually uh, Shia LaBeouf <laughs> that said this story. <laughs> hey, he said this story about this old man and the, and his son. And, uh, and I can't remember how the whole story goes, but essentially it's like, um, what one thing happens that leads to another thing, right? And like, I think it started out, they had this like one horse and he had to plow the field or whatever. And the horse runs away and the son runs to the old man. And he's like, the horse ran away. Like, we're not going to be able to turn over the field. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to suffer. And we're going to die. And the old man's like, well, honestly, I don't really know what's going to happen. I can't really, I can't really say if it's a good or bad thing yet. So then like the next day or something like that, like the horse comes back with a herd of horses and the, the son comes running to the dad and he's like, Oh my gosh, like all these, all these horses came back. Like now we're in the horse business. And the dad's like, or the, the father's like, um, you know, I can't really say if this is a good or bad thing yet. I can't really, I don't really know yet. Uh, it hasn't been long enough for me to tell. So then like the horses, uh, the son's out there trying to train the horses and he can't train the horses because he's never trained horses. He is a farmer. So he comes back. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do with all these horses. I can't train them. Um, and so the dad's like, well, I really don't know if this is a good or bad thing yet. You know, I just don't know what's going to happen. So I can't really say uh, what it is. 
So then, like, I guess uh, the sun, like, falls off one of the horses and, like, the way that the horse runs off twists his uh, leg and, like, just shatters his bones in his leg. And uh, mm-hmm. and the townspeople come up and they're like, oh, my gosh, what are you going to do with all these horses? Like, you're going to go and you're going to lose the farm if you can't sell these horses. And now your son's hurt. Like, what are you going to do? And the dad's like... I honestly, uh, I don't know what we're going to do from here on out, but I don't know if this is a good or bad thing. I guess we'll just have to find out, you know, it hasn't been long enough. So then like, I get the, uh, these like warriors come in and, and they're like, we need your son to go to war with us. You know, it's, this is back in long time ago. So like, you know, when they used to come and they would take, uh, young, young men off to war and whatnot. And, uh, so that they're like, we need to take your son. And he's like, yeah, I would, but I can't like his legs shattered. He can't get off the, off the bed. So then they're like, oh, all right. And then they go off and, uh, and they all die. They all get slaughtered. And so like, you know, the point of this across is like, you don't ever really know, what it is. You don't know if it's a good or bad thing. It might look like a bad thing, but it could be, could turn into a good thing or it might look like a good thing and turn into a bad thing. And so the real idea of it is like every step of the way hunt for the good stuff and wait and see how to navigate your life by every decision you have to make and every fork in the road that you come across. Right. So that's something like I don't see that I see a lot of negativity in the in the military and like people aren't willing to like take their career and make it their baby and navigate these forks in the road and make their own decisions and do it for the good for the good of them. But like at the same time, trying to improve the work area around you. Like how many times do we see soldiers like always talking negatively and always trying to work against the current, right? But right. if they had worked to better the unit, the unit's going to work to better them. That that's what it always is. It's that's always been that way, right? And the, like falling back into like the you go with you wherever you fucking go, and so that's why you got to invest in yourself. And um, since I've been in this like higher position and everything, and. I thought like, okay, you know, now that I'm a staff sergeant, I can, I have more influence and everything, but that's what they tell you. And it's like, I can make changes. I can do all these things, but like, realistically, you're not going to like, one person isn't going to be able able to change the entire army. For sure. Shit. One person isn't going to be able to change the entire brigade. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, for me, what I try to, um, I guess one of my goals every day is just like, is is what I'm doing, making an impact on the soldiers around me for the better. Am I providing them with the resources that they need to get their, whatever they want done? And um, am I developing them for the better that works for them? And then if that, if that's what it is and perfect, you know, cause I know, even though like my NCOER or like the ratings are always like, oh, this is going to be great influence, whatever, blowing smoke up your ass <laughs> and stuff like that. You can only have so much influence for the people around you. And that's really what you should just focus on and stuff. And that's how you have the fucking the great platoon. Yep. That's how you have like, again, like going up to like, OK, this platoon is really cool. And then this is they're great. They 
scored fantastic on their tables and stuff like that. They qualified and their PT studs, whatever. And then from there, like, okay, let's make it a company thing. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. And stuff. And then, like, okay, a company thing. Now let's just make it even bigger. I'm like, this battalion is the battalion you want to go to in this brigade. You know? Yeah. So you just like get a name for yourself. I think, but I, I did the opposite of what I'm about to say. I, I was a real like uh, chest chess beater and like i i really enjoyed like the competition of every day and so i really made that's how i that's how i tried to improve myself every step of the way like if there was a competition like if there was something going on or or if we were going to go do something i would just see it as a competition and that would really help me try to succeed but like not everybody's like that and when i uh if you walk into let's say you're a, a soldier and this this comes from a concept that lieutenant bona really taught me uh if you're let's say you walk into a platoon and in, in your or a squad you're a soldier and you're you're a saw gunner and you strive your best to be the best saw gunner available and you don't have to say it you just got to do it right you, you learn your weapon, you learn machine gun theory, you understand your role in the team, you understand your role in the squad, you understand that there's sometimes you might need to carry more ammo or if you'll need to pick up some of the torches and carry those as well. Like you understand your role and you work to be the best at your role no matter what. Um, people see that. You, you don't have to work uh to, to tell everybody you're the best at it. You just need to show people you're the best at it. And, and, and once they see that, right, you get promoted, right? Well, now you're an NCL. Now you're in charge of a team. Well, a, a lot of people lose sight of this. They think once they get here, they can chill back or, you know, like they're, they don't have to do anything anymore. But in reality, like you need to be the best team leader in the, in the squad and in the platoon. And how do you do that? You take care of your men. You understand every weapon system in the team. You understand every weapon system in the squad. You understand your role, uh, what what position you're playing at the time, whether you're alpha or bravo team leader. You understand what you need to get done as a team. You know, you understand what the dynamic is between your squad leader and both team leaders. You understand what the dynamic is between all three of your uh team members, but then the other school the other team itself and how you're playing your role. And like, once you understand how to be an effective and important team leader to the team and you play that role first, you will, you'll, you'll start to get noticed and you don't need to talk about it. You just need to do it, work to do it. And people will seek you out for help. They always do. They, they seek you out. They know you're the best at it. They're going to seek you out. Right. And every step of the way, if you continuously do that, people will seek you out to be better. Right. The commander is going to give you roles to play. Right. You're the UPL. Be the best UPL you can possibly be. Be the, uh, you know, have a good system in place and then, you know, make sure that people can trust you and you're willing to like uh, when the, when the commander asks for whatever it is for UPL, like you hand it off to him quick, fast in a hurry, or you know the exact route he needs to go, or you have the information for them um, or whatever position you have. Like if you just work to be the best at it now, look, I did it differently. I, I definitely was one of those people that were just like, I'm the best. I'm going to be the best. You can't beat me. I'm going to run around, beat my chest because I'm the best. Like, and that's just how my brain worked. And it, 
And that's how like I got by and that's how I got noticed. But it took a really long time for me to get noticed a really long time in Alaska. I was just the big guy that carried a saw and I sucked. I was honestly a terrible team leader. Like I didn't know what I was doing. No one, no one really sat me down and told me what to do until like one of the last ones. And they told me they'd like sat me down. They're like, Hey, this is how you should lead your team. And, um, and then like the second one after that, I just started to get a little bit better, right. Started to make improvements, but it took little by little, it took a really long time for me to understand because no one really taught me anything. So then like, that's when I, I got to Colorado and I started like immediately they're like, fuck you, corporal, take that rank off, put a specialist rank on You're fat and you suck. Right. But then like, that's where I was like, okay, I need to be the best. I have to, I have to be the number one. And if someone tells me I'm not number one, I'm going to I'm going to prove them wrong. And then like every step of the way, I, re I really did push that mentality for myself. And that helped after that. But like, I would tell people like soak up all the information, dude. It's there. Someone's got it. I mean, yep. I don't know. We could talk about somebody's that always watching too. They, yeah, they yeah. really are. Because like, yeah, and like, even though you can be doing your best every fucking day, and it could just be the unit that you're in that nobody wants to budge, nobody wants the new standard or to meet the standard in the first place, um, you know, but. At the end of the day, somebody is always watching. And when it comes around for you to be evaluated or just like even just the monthly counselings and such, it pays. It does. Because, um, yeah, I, I think we talked about this a little bit, but like it, it definitely pays for it. So fucking just keep at it. Even if you're not getting like the verbal affirmation from higher and stuff, you know, at the end of the day, you are doing your best and we'll see what comes of it, you know? Yeah. And like, uh, I know people are watching because all the time I would be watching somebody and I would see some bad things and I would like make note of it. And then when we're talking about it in the platoon huddle, it's like, what are you talking about? They did all these great things. This is what I saw. And they're like, Oh, I didn't, I saw those things, but this is what else I saw that you didn't see. And I'm like, dude, like, I didn't know that. So, Hey, my apologies, but like, that's awesome. And that's how I know people are watching no matter what, like it's, it's, it's wild to me when, and maybe this is, maybe this is some of the fault, right? The perception is reality type thing where someone's seeing you do something <laughs> that they perceive as a negative thing. And then yeah. they bring it back and they're like, oh, I saw him just doing this all day. And then someone else has to speak up and be like, well, I told him to do that. Or I didn't see that at all. I saw him doing this all day. You know, maybe you just saw a part of their day. So people yeah. watching could be a good or bad thing. So make sure you're always on your toes and doing the right damn thing. Right. And then if you're the leader that needs to be looking out for those things and stuff like that, there's always a sec there's always another side mm -hmm. and stuff like that's definitely instead of just like, um, if I hear something that's going on with my soldiers and stuff and, um, I need to do corrective action. I'm not just going to jump their shit and be like, Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, now I take a, though. It, oh, it's so nice. But now I take a step back. I'm like, okay, why, why did you not succeed at the task you were given and stuff? But, um, no, I, I definitely did jump shit 
on uh, one of my soldiers because he was late for CQ, and I just <laughs> stood there waiting for him. And he was oh, running yeah. up. He wasn't even running up. He was like speed walking up, and I was like, "What the fuck? Get the fuck down!" And uh, I was like, "Oh, this is a bunch of sergeant." Oh, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no. get the fuck down!" Oh, and then his NCO was coming up. He's like, "No, wait, no, wait, sergeant, please!" And I was like, "No, shut up, move." Why the fuck are you? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and yeah, it was a uh, yeah. And then like again, fucking being air defense, nobody. Everybody was like, "Ooh, ooh, are you okay? What's going on? What's happening? Is somebody hurt?" Like, no, <laughs> he was late. But then again, after the fact and everything like that, talking to him, I was like, "All right, sit your ass down at this desk. I'll see you after PT." Went to PT, came back. I sat down with him. I was like, "Hey, man, like, what's going on? Like, why are you asking people for rides? Like, is everything okay? Do you need assistance? What do we need? What do we need to do here?" And he's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> so, yeah, like." I'm not just going to be a fucking dick, <laughs> but I am still going to, I mean, oh, well, uh, I guess debatable audience. <laughs> Can't figure that I mean, out, but, honestly, yeah. like, <sighs> look, if it's me, like being on time to something is like a very punctuality in the military, basic soldier. Yeah. Text. yeah. So like, I mean, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> But that's because, like, yeah. <laughs> I probably got old brain, you know, where I'm like, old dog, no tricks, you know. But, like, I have a certain view, like, and I tell all my soldiers that, like, this is how you're going to be. This is what you're going to do. And other than that, you're going to start thinking for yourself and we're going to grow you. But if you can't complete mm -hmm. basic soldier tasks, one of two things are going to happen well, both things are going to happen. First thing, you're going to get scuffed up. And then the second thing, we're going to talk about it and we're going to figure a way around it. All right. I want to, uh, I want to sort of change directions here. Um, mm -hmm. Are you oppressed? Oppressed? Yeah, are you oppressed? Let's just take I into account. That you're a female, you're in the army, you're Asian, you're Vietnamese, excuse me. <laughs> Maybe that's, I don't really know if saying someone's Asian, if it's insulting, racist, or what it is, but uh, anyways, <laughs> let's take all these things into account. <laughs> Are you oppressed? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I'd, I wouldn't say so. I don't feel like I'm oppressed because I feel like I put in the work to get the things that I have. Okay. So hold on. Let's, uh, now, now we get in the weeds of it. Let's <laughs> oppression definition. Let's see. Let's pull. Okay. Um, Unjust treatment or control? Oh, Uh-oh. Do I have unjust <laughs> treatment or control over me? I don't think Maybe so. Maybe when you're a private. No. Yeah, like as a private, that's just, like, I mean, I, I guess, but that's not unjust. Private, I'm just trying to fucking... Privates are oppressed. Make you do better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to mold you into what the army needs. So, um, so what you're saying is that you're a slave. 
Now, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You said you're trying to mold them into what the army needs. Okay, hold on. Trying to guide them into the right direction for personal development (laughs) and efficiency in today's military. That sounds like a very nice way to say that you're a slaver. Now, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, do you you feel a sort of hatred towards... uh, white people, white America, or any, let's just say any sort of human being, any race or ethnicity. I, it's a long pause. Let's see here. Yeah. As I say, how, how am I going to word this? So people try and, Trying to get people to understand like what I'm trying to say versus trying to like like oh she's a fucking racist bigot like <laughs> you know so chill let's see I think um, people play into their stereotypes and they get upset when they get called out on it. Damn son, you're a racist bigot. Because I- <laughs> like. Um, I guess of when, how am I supposed to word this? So I don't really have anything against anybody. Like whatever, like, oh, white people are oppressing everybody else. I'm like, well, not, not everybody, you know, because not every person that is white in America is given like the trust fund or like, a great upbringing x y and z like not everybody has that and again me being asian i think a lot of people especially when uh, crazy rich asians came out i think they all <laughs> thought we were made of money i was like oh sweetheart no mean? like when i say what i'm do you from mean when crazy rich asians came out what does that mean <laughs> like it's a movie like <laughs> Right, but like that's the thing. People are so fucking dumb. They're like, they'll watch something and be like, "Oh, that must be for everybody." Like, <laughs> no. Like, I say I'm from Denver, so when you think of Denver, you think of like downtown Denver, right? And like it being a very liberal area. Um, it's expensive, you know. So since it's expensive, you must have money, X, Y, and Z to live there and stuff, right? And or like, oh, you're from Colorado, so you did all like the winter sports, like snowboarding, the epic pass, X, Y, and Z, right? <laughs> like, no, I am from the southwest corner of Denver, where it's pretty much Federal Boulevard, which is pretty <laughs> ghetto <laughs> and stuff, right? Like, that's that's me. Like, that is the type. Like, that is how I grew up and stuff. And so people kind of like, oh, yeah, you must have – how was snowboarding up there? Did you, like, shred the gnar, dude? Like, no, because I couldn't afford that. (laughs) 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 No, I couldn't afford that. Like, were we oppressed? No, we were just a family that uh, immigrated from – or migrated, whatever, from (laughs) Vietnam. And I just happened to – I was thankful and lucky to be the first generation that's born here in the States. So that like my kids, when I have them, they wouldn't have to go through the hustle that my parents had to go through 
to give me the upbringing that I have and stuff. And then like, same thing can be said for white people too, because believe it or not, Europeans, uh, migrate over here and become citizens of the United States still and stuff. And there's still some white people that are first generation Americans and stuff. So like that can be for anybody, like literally anybody. So I don't like, I guess coming from the bottom, uh, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't have anything against anybody. Cause I know at some point in time, whoever has the money now, generations before them, hustled for it and they did they put in the work for it and stuff now what they're what doing with that money now that is like i will say like you know don't agree with it but you know mm-hmm. it's still like you had to have to start at some point here yeah and everything so I don't know. I, I'm more of like a, hey, you do you, boo-boo. If that works out for you, cool. Just don't be coming over in my lane saying I can't spend on this or I can't spend on this X, Y, and Z. Do you think so. that there, that society is turning against white people? Yes. How so? Because who – like we have all these issues and stuff like that. And then, um, uh, how else? Cause uh, I, it's funny. Cause I talk about this all like me and my boyfriend talk about this all the time. <laughs> and then also it, too, that like isn't your boyfriend white. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, again, he didn't have the, the upbringing that everybody thinks sure. every single white person has sure. and stuff. Right. Um, but we have to like people are upset and they want to point fingers at somebody um you know so who else better to point fingers at than what we normally see in media every day which has been predominantly white people right sure and that's just, that's no fault of um society and stuff like that because we were still learning things right mm-hmm. And so, like, um, what is it? Yeah, so, like, we're just still trying to progress, but we still want to point blame at somebody. And it has to be, why not white people? Because white people have all the money, right? They have all these things, and they don't, they're not oppressed. They don't have issues. They don't have, um, they don't have to deal with all these other issues that minorities, quote, like, air quotes, um, have to deal with and stuff. But then it's also kind of like, people have to educate themselves on what else is out there because there's plenty of people that stay within their community and continue to think the same versus branching out, joining the army or whatever and being like, Oh, this is how other people from other sides of the, the world or even just like within the States, this is how they live. And I like that. So I'm going to take that into my pocket and, implement that into my lifestyle versus what I've was brought up on and stuff. And then, yeah, like the whole thing about like, Oh, well they can't afford it. They, uh, people can't afford to just get up and move and stuff. But I'm like, bro, you have the world in your fucking pocket. If you can afford a phone, a smartphone that has access to internet, that is unlimited data at this point now. Like if you can afford that, you can afford and take the time to research 
what other states are doing and what other lifestyles that you want to fall into. So, um, and so go ahead. And like, people don't want to like, they see something on social media and then they're like, Oh yeah, that's true. And they don't want to build their own opinion of things. They don't want to do the extra research that goes into somebody posting a 30 second reel of X, Y, and Z, you know? Yeah. I think, so I think that, Social media has hurt our society in a sort of way, and mm-hmm. uh, social justice has become like this. Uh, it's become such a problem because now it's, you know, all these people that are fighting for what I would say is a good cause, but. Uh, the people in charge that uh, I would say, you know, are using those individuals um, usually end up messing things up for them in, in ways where, mm-hmm. you know, they either promote the wrong laws or they promote a law that they think is going to work, gets implemented. Now it doesn't work. Um, you know, let's just take the police, for instance. There's a lot of people that hate the police. Um, because that, you know, along with the police, you know, they, they don't like, uh, white people or something like that. And they think that we're, you know, we're, we're here to just disrupt them. And lately I've been seeing a lot of like videos and articles specifically against white people. I mean, if you go to, um, EO, um, you know, Mm -hmm. They will tell you white privilege is certainly a thing. Uh, my my only combatant against that is literally what you said. We're like, okay, I, do, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but it's a diff- it's not white privilege. It's just privilege in the sense that they've probably their family has probably been here for a minute, so there's a certain either view or. You know, they have a certain amount of money or whatever the case. Now, yeah, I will agree that there are places in this country where white people are getting more privileged than uh, other ethnicities or races. And that's a terrible thing. I would say that's not white privilege. That's racism. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or prejudice, whatever you want to call it. Uh and, and and I think that that has also molded this social justice networking and uh, world has molded into uh, people going against each other. I mean, look at we now we have women against men and, you know, like we do have women that are really working for themselves and like building themselves up. And in turn, they say they don't need men. Right. But I would I would argue that in a sense where like we do need each other, like we totally need each other. The majority don't shit on somebody else to build like your group up, because that's not doing anything. Look at look at men, right? Um, Predominantly hardworking individuals. um, Their upbringing is extremely. I wouldn't say extremely, but sometimes very toxic. Um, in comparison to women, it's very toxic. Uh, they 
they're constantly berated on not doing enough and have to do more. That's why majority of men have eight type personalities on being macho, uh, the, the top of the food chain, that kind of bullshit. Um, Mm-hmm. And 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 then, you know, when we really sit down and we look at it, well, that that's what they're bred to do. That's what men are bred to do. We're animals. That's what we're we literally our society puts us in a position where we have to socially be well rounded. That means that we need to be good looking. We need to have a well rounded physique and show that we have a physical prowess for ourselves. We need to show that we are intellectually capable. Uh, so, you know, uh, that, that could be many different facets, whether we, uh, sing or play music or read, or we just, we're, we're good at something intellectual. Um, just some like oonga boonga shit. Yeah. 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 We're, yeah. We're not just like beating drums and shit off in the corner. Like we actually have mm-hmm. something to bring to the table and we have to provide that right. To get a, a mate or a, a, a woman, right. Or I guess a man, mm-hmm. if that's your thing. Um, and so we have, we have to provide us. We have to show that we can be a well-rounded provider. Now, Yes. If we look at women, they have to show the same. They have to do the same thing, right? Because you know, men in society nowadays are really discovering that they can live in a world by themselves too, um, just like women are. And, and before, I really don't think that we could. I think before, uh, people were really uh, striving after this, having a partner and and creating a household and stuff like that. But now we're like, fuck that household shit. Like I'm going to wait, you know? And that's why we see a decline in people having children. Um, but women have to do the same thing men do just in a different facet, right? They have to show that they can take care of a household. They're smart. They bring something to the table in terms of like who they are as a person and what their capabilities are. Like, Right. Men have to show the security, right? What kind of security can they provide Mm -hmm. while women provide what kind of, uh, what kind of house can they build as a, as a homemaker? Or maybe, you know, maybe the roles are switched in that sense, like regardless, both, both genders have to provide something. So like we have this society now that it's like men versus women and women versus men. And like, have you ever seen a Pearl? I don't know her last name. Um, but she's on TikTok a lot and she, she talks about how like, you know, she talks against feminism and she talks for men and all this stuff. And like women attack her constantly, but at the same time, like she's, she's, she is creating a sort of, um, uh, party where it's like, she attracts people that are against women and their, their approach to empower themselves. And she attracts people that like are all for men or fighting for themselves and stuff like that, which is like, look, it's fine to fight for men and it's fine to fight for women, but why are we doing it in a sense to hurt the other gender? And that's where the social justice comes in. And that's where we have, 
women who don't care anymore about finding a suitable human to have kids with and have a house with and have a home with and create a life with another person. They don't care anymore. And same thing with men where they just do not give a shit about um, being strong and physically capable and they want to fight for uh, another cause and all this stuff. And, and instead that, you know, uh, instead of like actually building themselves up to be a great human being and being a great provider, they're now worth, they don't have much worth to them. They're not physically capable. They don't, they're not very intellectual. They have a very immature mind. And so social media has created this weird bubble that we all live in now where men are not men and women are not women. It's like, and we have this weird, other bubble where like, you know, n- and nothing against um, gay people and stuff like that. But this weird bubble of like the trans community coming in where they're attacking, uh, well, not attacking, but they're like promoting like young kids, like changing sex. Not all of them. Don't get me wrong. Not all of them. And I don't even know much right. about LGBTQ, so I don't have anything to say on them. But I mean, like there is a community out there that is OK with this. And it is like detrimental to a young person's health. I mean, we've even proved it psychologically where like, you can't just say, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And then do it and expect them to be okay with it because they've never experienced it before. You literally, if you take a man and you chop his freaking dick off, like he's never experienced that before. So how do you know how he's going to feel when it happens? And there, you know, there's a number of um, trans people willing to speak out against this, which like, I feel really bad for them, but like, Come on, man. What do you think you're doing to your body? You're changing your body. You're hurting yourself. And it's it's the fact right. that it's, it's going to happen to little kids is scary to me. If you're going to do it, I think that you should just be able to you, you should be like, you know, 18 years old and go off and do your own thing and do it. But at the same time, that could, that spread of that has created this ick in the in our society where men and women really are moving away from our traditional roles and we're looking into these outer things like, and don't get me wrong. Like I have nothing against a man or a woman seeking out to just better themselves and become the greatest they can be on their own prior to being the greatest they can with someone else. It's just like, I think we're afraid Uh, uh, each gender is kind of afraid to move back into, you know, the gender roles, the old, traditional roles yeah and like that's the thing too with like everybody's arguments don't tell like don't tell each other how they're supposed to be yeah like everybody wants this specific label and stuff like that um and the just kind of taking it back on like not even like today's issues but like growing up um i'm Vietnamese, right but i was very they call it whitewashing <laughs> but I say we put you I'm in a bleached, in a bleached, uh, bleached washer and we just fucking turn that bitch on heavy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like uh, next thing you know, I got a fucking Southern accent and shit. No, but, <laughs> but um, I, I grew up very Americanized and stuff. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> you what, Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, today's gonna be a blistering day. 
then I'm fucking standing outside on my porch when there's rain and be like, yeah, we really needed this. Fucking missing like, half your fucking <laughs> teeth out there. Oh, God. God. But, um, I would pay like, to fucking see an image of that shit. Just out there in fucking fucked up boots and goddamn all fucked up like shorts or some shit with the fucking what's that? Uh, they, they got the stereotypical fucking like crop top fucking flannel on and you're missing half your fucking the crop top teeth, flannel with you, ovaries yeah. or not ovaries, oh, uh, overalls <laughs> overalls <laughs> <laughs> and you got fucking missing half your teeth and you got a fucking chaw in like you just fucking you know <laughs> fucking all fucked up hat with holes in it and shit straw hat oh, oh shit. god that would be fuck- yeah. and you're fucking Vietnamese you know <laughs> fucking do not fit that script at all <laughs> Dude, there are actual, like, like there's a handful of Chinese immigrants that, like, made their way to, like, the breadbasket of uh, the states, and they're actual, like, Chinese farmers. It's fucking wild. But, like, (laughs) um, going back to, like, everybody wants labels. They want a label so bad, and then the more people that want a label, the more they're like, okay, if in order to be considered this, you have to fit this description. You have to meet these requirements and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so for me growing up, um, I was really torn because there was people that were still coming over from Vietnam and then a couple of people that were being the first born generation here and stuff. And so I didn't fit anything. Like, that's where I had to like learn like maybe to be my own person, but I didn't understand that until like maybe a couple months ago. But like I didn't have a label, and I desperately wanted a label. I wanted to be able to fit in and stuff, but I wasn't Vietnamese enough because I didn't know. Like I still don't know my language enough to have conversations, like good conversations, and to keep a conversation going. But then I'm also so you do sound like a Vietnamese drum beater to be American. You sound like a drum beater to your fucking your family. Yeah, <laughs> like again, like like I said, it's like um, you're having a conversation with a, f- a fifth grader yeah. and stuff, and so like going time. into like today, yeah, it's it's, it's terrible. <laughs> um, but like now, if oh, in order for you to be a feminist, you have to hate men. Like no, like that's not what true feminism is or um yeah that's not what fighting for whatever the fuck you know i'm trying to fucking say empowering women and and feminism is 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 really just you know holding your own as a female and like promoting yourself and 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 getting more i want to say maybe powerful but like you know like doing your thing to uplift yourself and like become successful and uh well educated and all this stuff and then the same thing can go for um, just being a part of the LGBT plus community and being trans and stuff like you like every the thing about I think that appeals so much about the being trans is that, that you have a, a wide options like a lot of options on how you go about it and how you find yourself and stuff like you can just start with hormones. You don't have to get the top and bottom surgery. You don't have to get the gender re- um, they call it gender um, affirmation surgery. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so like the, you don't have to go under the knife. You can just do start off with hormones. You can do this, you can do that X, Y, and Z. But then people within the community, within themselves um, are weaponizing that against each other and stuff. And then with that, people are getting upset. And then now if you're not with them, you're against them and stuff. When at the end of the day, it's like, you can do you, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But don't, shove it down somebody else's throat and stuff. And then I understand um, a lot of times with, um, cause I have a couple friends that are, that have gone through the process and um, like they're in different stages of the, um, of their uh, transformation or whatever you want to call it um, and stuff. And I completely respect them. And then I still talk to them because whatever that they pers- want to be doesn't change their personality to me. Yeah, it doesn't change who because they are I as a am person. F- right. Right. Because I am friends with them for a reason, not because they appear this way and stuff. Because if I am only friends because they're my token uh trans friend, then that's not a friendship and that's me being shallow. Like, no, that's not, not how it is. But I know that um them realizing that they are not who they want to be happens at an early age. But, and that's okay, but also, um, now that they're older, they're able to understand these feelings, understand these emotions that they're going through, and then they can put the time in to research and figure out what they can do and what they need to do to go about it the right way that fits for them versus these parents that are like, oh, well... Timmy said that he felt like a girl for the past couple of months. So we're going through with it. We're going to, you know, put him on hormones. Like, no, that's not because kids are kids. Kids are supposed to explore things. They're supposed to be curious about things, not saying that to shelter them. Yeah. You know, I'm like, no, you, you're dudes. So you're going to be a fucking dude. Like <laughs> here's some fucking monster trucks and shit. Like, no, let them play with whatever the fuck. And then as they get older, they will find They will figure themselves out because when you start sheltering kids from certain things, you are doing the exact same thing as those families that are um, forcing the gender reaffirmation treatments onto them. So, like, yes, there are certain things that kids shouldn't see at certain ages and stuff like that and that they should have – you should be able to have a conversation with them before – certain things happen and everything like that. Sometimes they have to be, you have to have that conversation sooner than later because fucking Karen over here, granola having bitch is saying <laughs> like these random off the wall things. And now Timmy's telling me like, Oh, Hey, I heard this at school today. I'm like, hey, excuse me. All right, let's, this is, let's talk about this it. Is you know, one of the uh, scary <laughs> things as a parent that I'm, my son's entering school this year. And mm-hmm. this is an area as a parent, I'm fr- I'm afraid of, and I, I, do, I really don't have any problem with teachers, but there is someone teaching my son and he's going to be influenced by multiple factors while he's in school. And like, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't think anything bad against it. I, don't, I wouldn't really care either way, but as what I am afraid of is that someone would attempt to influence him one direction. And that right. not only makes me angry, 
that there are humans out there willing to do that, but it scares me. Like I, I would hate that. Like if someone tried to influence my son in a certain direction and didn't just let him make his own choices, like, look, I'm sorry. I, if my kid was like, I'm a, I'm a girl. It'd be like, Hey man, look, you can think whatever you want right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're a boy. When he turns 18, he can make whatever decisions he wants. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to give him the truth. Okay? I am going to give him the scientific right. fact and the truth behind things. And I am going to make him see that, like, look, I'm sorry, but, like, you're just – you're not. Not yet. Like, when you – if you still feel this way when you're freaking 18 years old, like, hey, more power to you. Go be a freaking girl, bro. But, like, until then, right. like, I'm sorry you're a boy. You don't have the mental and capacity goes- to make that decision. I'm sorry you don't. Right. And then, even then, honestly, like second puberty, hello, in your mid-20s, yes. <laughs> um, that's where you like st- – you, you still continue to develop – after 18, 18 is just what society has put onto people yeah. as in like, all right, that seems good enough. Uh, let them, let them go have at it. But they, oh, I really don't like, think that you, you should still be able have to, make to be those 21 until you're like 25. Like at 25, you can go do whatever sex changes you want. But until then, like I really, uh, because you you're right. You're not done developing. I mean, you men don't just stop developing until mm-hmm. they're 28, you know? <laughs> I think women, right. it's, isn't it like shorter? Is it shorter or longer for women? I think uh, 25. 25 for women. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that just goes to show you that we're yeah. going to be immature for a lot longer than women are, but regardless. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, also, too, that's, um, again, I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to, not hard, but I can't fully empathize um, into these situations and stuff, but. For me, I would imagine that I would be able to build a relationship with my kid so that if they have questions with these things that come up in school and he's like, hey, you know, I kind of felt uncomfortable about this or somebody said this and I don't know what this is. Like I can sit down with them and have the conversation and educate them and and it's purely education, not being like, oh, well, you're not going to you're not allowed to hang out with them anymore. You're not allowed to talk to them anymore because they said that. I'm like, no, well, this is their side. This is what that actually means. Not saying that they're right or not saying that they're wrong. But with this information that I have given you, you can form your own opinion on it. Yeah. And hopefully. And so building. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, like my kids really do grow up with like an open mind. The scary thing to me is like how, when you were growing up, how like sometimes you're kind of closed minded to things. So like, I think that me and Alyssa have a really good thing going where like Alyssa is super successful in what she's doing. And like, I'm kind of just here to promote her success. So I'm like, just, Mm -hmm. I'm just the, the freaking side person right now. But when it comes to my kids, like I'm going to be, a dad, you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to like, I'm going right. to be, I'm going to be nice in the fact that like, I'm going to explain these things to you, but like, I'm not going to just go along with things because some person wrote a book one time and told me I should affirm my child's decisions. Not all child, not all mm-hmm. decisions should be, should be affirmed. And that's why I think that affirmation is kind of a scary thing because you can affirm somebody in the wrong direction for sure. 
Like you can affirm somebody to thinking that negative things are a good thing, you know? And so like, um, just look, I, I might, I could be wrong in some areas too. Like maybe I do affirm in some areas that, uh, someone might see negative, but I'm, I'm the dad. They're not. So if anybody like the scary thing is, is that when I go to a school, someone's going to be like, well, this is what you should do with your kids. And I'm going to be like, you should just go fuck yourself. First off, who the fuck are you to tell me how I should raise my kid? Because you're a teacher and you went to school one time. Like you're, you're like universities change their facts all the time. So (laughs) get bent. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see where that goes. But in the, in the sense of like men and women, like me, me and like Alyssa's going, doing her successful thing and I'm doing my successful thing. And like, at the end of the day, I just hope that my kids see that and they really take that in and then they use that in their life. And I think that's all you can really hope as a parent. Oh yeah, definitely. Like you, I feel like being a parent, you want to put all this work forward so that they don't have to deal with the hardships that you had and that they're successful in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing like, uh, like we talked about was, uh, uh, creating like a savings sort of thing for our kids and letting them make a decision when they're Mm -hmm. 18. But I was like, (laughs) I recently came to the conclusion that maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe we should hold on to that money and not let them make a decision on it until they're like 25 years old, you know, but I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause when I was 18, shit, I would have bought a brand new car, you know? (laughs) Right. Honestly, I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> Let me just uh, spend it all. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. It was good talking to you, Amanda. I had a. This was a great conversation. Yeah, dude, it got spicy. Don't <laughs> give me a warning next time, bro. Because I'm like, fuck it. Uh, my people bad. Like <laughs> my people bad. I fifth grader. literally bro fuck that's probably the best ones when you catch people off guard uh no but it's it's interesting as i say like um yeah we definitely have uh some like not common opinions about it and like i said me and my boyfriend talk about it all the time and it's a it's it's pretty interesting so how did you and your boyfriend meet please say the gym so um the gym no, so actually, uh, we met on a Discord. What? So we were in the yeah, so we were in the same Discord and stuff. And get this, this is how we got my ass. Oh, God. Um, we played It Takes Two. It takes. Like, have you heard of two? that game? Yeah, so it's a co-op game where <laughs> the timing on this dude. It's a co-op game where uh, a husband and a wife are going oh through a divorce, God. and then they get turned into these little itty bitty things, and then they go through solving problems together <laughs> and stuff. And so, like, you really have to like communicate and like timing on the games, so coordination. Like, a really, it's such a good co-op <laughs> game in general and stuff. But like we were just playing that, just like you know, we're just super chill. And then I was just kind of like, 
oh, he's kind of cute. What's up? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a. Uh, that's our dynamic because we're long distance, so we play games with each other and stuff like that so as much as we can. We, he actually just bought me. Yeah, yeah. He, he just ahead. bought you what? He just bought me a Stardew Valley, so we're going to play that together today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's he from? Uh, he's from Texas. Oh, my man's from Texas. Yeah, so he's over in like the Dallas. So you Fort really area are going to turn into a hillbilly here soon. I'm just going to be a good old, good old Texan here <laughs> with me and my guns and my property. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Now, uh, I saw that you were, are you trying to buy a house right now? Uh, so I have this house, but it's under my ex's VA loan. Ah. So I'm trying to assume his loan oh. and stuff. But yeah, when I get out, um, I'm going to move in with, uh, old boy and, uh, I'm going to rent this place out so that I have an income and I'm just not like a bump on the log. You know? <laughs> Do you have a, a good interest rate? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, definitely. What, uh, yeah. What'd you guys buy at? Um, in terms of interest rate or how no. much was the house? Yeah. How much was your house when you bought it? Uh, we bought it for uh two forty. Oh. I bet that thing's worth all kinds of dough now, huh? Um, I actually haven't looked. I don't really look because I'm like, oh, I could just sell my house now and just <laughs> bomb it out in an apartment and I have all this money. Like, no. What? what <laughs> I don't really um, what area keep up on that. Uh, are you in? Uh, I'm over by Horizon City. Horizon City? Mm hmm. So it's like uh, the far east of El Paso. <laughs> And uh, it's all just pretty much like newer development oh, okay. and stuff like that. Okay. So, how long ago did you guys? It's about uh, like thirty minutes. Did you guys buy? A year ago. Oh, yeah, okay. About okay. a year ago. Man, that's yeah, that's pretty cheap for a year ago. When uh, yeah, yeah. Me and Alyssa are about to sell our house for. I don't know how much we're gonna make off of it, but we're about to. We might sell it for almost double. That's how much the market yes. has gone up in Colorado. It's stupid. It is disgusting how <laughs> how much the market has gone up. It's absurd, man. It's absurd. And you said what's what's your interest rate at? Uh, I'm at a two point eight. And you got it a year ago? Mm-hmm. Whoa, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, so we put um uh, even though it's a VA loan, I um, I was like, no, we're not going to put zero down. We're putting 20% down because okay, 20% is the standard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, we put 20% down. And so, like, I'm I'm living comfortably on E6 pay, thankfully. Like, I'm super thankful for wow, it. That is so um, cool. And stuff. So, yeah. Damn. Okay. So, you're on the up and up. Okay. Yeah, do you have to? I, uh, do you have to assume the loan at original pl price? Or are you assuming it at uh, cost? At the cost. Okay, that's good. That's, mm -hmm. not, that's awesome. Yeah, because I've been making uh, extra payments on the principal and stuff like that too, and everything. So will it? Yeah. Uh, will it raise? Will Will it change your interest rate when you assume, or is it going to keep the interest rate? No. So when you assume the loan, you are assuming their interest rate. Okay. 
Wow. Yeah, so that's why it's a it's popular now because people that are buying homes and stuff like that, um, what the rate that they're getting is like six six percent or like like closer to ten percent and yeah, stuff. But yeah. like, um, it's freaking scary, bro. That's why. It, yeah, that's why. Um, if you want to in the in your contract of when you're selling your house, you can say that. Oh, if it's a VA loan and you're going to another VA person, you can allow them to assume the loan, that's and awesome. that's a different process. So I was gonna do that yeah. with my buddy, but he was gonna sell the house at uh, the original price he bought it for, and I just we didn't we didn't have the money to cover it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's fair. I mean, that's badass, dude. Hell yeah. Um. All right. Amanda, I'm going to let you go here. Thanks for coming on to the show Monday at 5 a.m. Hell yeah, dude. Glad to be back. Talk more about spicy things. What's (laughs) up? Finances? Fucking uh, social justice? Let's go! All right. Stay safe. All right. You too, man. I just... uh... I just shove a finger up my ass and then fucking pull out. Like, oh, God, I just disappointed mom and dad. Like, I can't do this again kind of deal. That's been on the ground of the Humvee because I probably would have had to clean it up with my ass cheeks. Listen, my back and knees can't be fucking going down there like that, man. It's always fuck you, Emmer, and I hope you have 15 fucking kids and you're the only one taking care of them while everybody else is successful. No, 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 the giant white ones. The asshole in me wants to say... You look like you're a fucking walrus. You were born. That was a mistake. It was probably a little aggressive to you at some point. But like, you're going to take this motherfucker, okay? Basically, she said, there's nothing you can do. There's only pain management. No, no, no the giant white ones. But I'm just one small motherfucker. I, I don't really know, like, the best science, how to explain why it would be great for you. I'm- Perception is reality. Then I'm sucking everybody's dick. Yep. <laughs> Nasty. Like, oh god, I just disappointed mom and dad. Like, I can't do this again, kind of deal. Oh no! Go to college, be a doctor. No, 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 the giant white ones. This is truthers. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate your support. Please leave a review on this episode. Remember that not everything you hear may be a hundred percent fact, but we do our best. Follow us on Instagram at Vicious Truthers, our Facebook page, and as we venture into video format alongside our audio versions, we're going to try and publish more episodes on YouTube. Again, thanks for listening and have an excellent night.